Howdy, howdy do who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name is Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 251. Yeah. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different too anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. Uh, I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now. For this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be... The great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, Who fans, hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Related, yes. Season 12, oh, series 12, is in full swing. We've got that two-parter out the way. Yeah. Now it's down to business. That's right. Orphan 55. You'll hear our thoughts on that later in our review. In the meantime, welcome to any new listeners to the show. Any long-time listeners, welcome back. It's good to have you all on board, the TARDIS, to the Big Blue Box podcast. Before we get cracking, remember to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Or if you head over to the website, Big Blue Box Podcast at Credit UK, you can find all of our shows on there, plus there are links to go off to those podcast apps and uh, if you drop a sub you won't miss a show when they land every Friday and we're also on the socials as well Instagram Twitter and Facebook just do a search of the big blue box podcast you'll find us on there come and chat Doctor Who each and every week how have you been buddy now that we're back to a, a bit of normality with single episodes going out on a Saturday Mm, yeah, I like this. Oh, I like. I Sunday. do like Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, yeah, yeah. I like a bit of normality. I do like it when you get, you know, the start of a new year when you sort of settle back into the rhythm of things, and it is cool to have um, Doctor Who, you know, on a Sunday regular slot again because I look forward to it. You know, I must admit, I it's nice to have that thing at the end of the week yep, to look yep. forward to. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm liking it. I just 
I'm sort of so aware that we've only got 10 episodes this year that I keep thinking like, I don't want to wish them away too quickly, if you know what I mean. So we've, we'll only have seven left already. It's like, ah, but yes, I'm loving it. Um, I have been filling in a bit of my time since we last recorded with some classic who I actually got some time to watch some of my DVDs uh, over the weekend, which was nice. Um, so I was sat at home and I thought, looked on the shelf and I thought, what am I in the mood for? Like, you know, with the new series being back on and I thought, yeah, let's, let's, let's put a classic on. Um, and I reached for the five doctors Ah, okay. And I okay. blimmin' loved you it. You bloody loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I mean, I know we've reviewed it, so it's no spoiler there. Um, I We reviewed it, oh, it was ages ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I've watched it many a time, um, but I, I just never get bored of it. There's just so many bits in that particular story that I just absolutely love, um, and the master and just Pat and the brig and it's just, it's just so much great stuff in it um so it's really great to watch that again i loved it and i i mean we probably mentioned this in the review i can't remember because it was so long ago we reviewed it but Hund, um william no <laughs> i forget his name richard hundrell isn't it yes. he's like the first doctor in that um you know he really does do a great job actually i mean he is quite different to hartlow in some ways but it really struck me watching it again the other night he's very very likable as the tetchy you know incarnation doctor and the bits with tegan were cracking me up when they were sort of having their little friction between the two and yeah and the music as well i mean i just if i think five doctors I immediately in my head i hear the cybermen say you know and then cybermen sick um oh, i just loved it I'll, I'll tell you i just had such fun watching that again um but it put me in the mood for hartnell it really did because i i liked hundrell's performance I hope I'm saying his name right, Hundrel. Yes, yeah. Because I do hate it when, yeah, I get things, names wrong, which happens all the time. Um, but yeah, it really put me in the mood to watch a bit of Hartnell, actually. So I dug out, and this I have not watched for years, um, and we haven't reviewed it, so I won't say too much, but I dug out The Dalek Invasion Earth. Oh, uh, right, okay. Because mm-hmm. I tend to gravitate towards the Cushion movie, because I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, yeah. Let's let's put this one on. Um, yeah, I won't say any more because we will at some point review it. We haven't reviewed it, have we? Dalek about the original. No, no, no. No, so I won't say too much. But I will say it was just so good to have Hartnell's Doctor <laughs> on the screen again. I really, every time I watch him, I just just forget how much I love Hartnell's Doctor. So uh, I only got a couple of episodes into that. I've been watching one a night when I get in from work. Um, so I'm only a couple, about halfway through because it's a six-parter, isn't it? So... Um, but yeah, it's been really good just going back and watching a bit of classic and, and, uh, especially a bit of Hartnell, which I, you know, I haven't watched for a while. So yeah, so that's been me. I haven't really been doing anything else. I've been keeping my eye on some of the merch that's coming out. You know, they've been doing these t-shirts, uh, that tie in with each episode of the new series. Oh yeah. So we got, um, for Spyfall, we got, uh, first one was Jodie holding a Sonic in the tux. Not a bad tea actually. Quite nice. Second one can't remember what that was oh it was the airplane landing card that she produced you know the lamp once she laminated they sort of did that on a t-shirt these are like t-shirts that um are available to order only sort of thing from fp um and then this week's was a crisp packet which i thought was i don't have you seen it it's a really odd choice it, no, it's just the, the Forbidden Planet exclusives. Yeah, so they're yeah. Forbidden Planet exclusives, and so they're, they're made to order. 
So they're limited editions. And they're doing one T-shirt for each episode of Series 12. Um, and I've just been keeping my eye because I do love a T-shirt. But, um, yeah, that they they haven't grabbed me yet. I mean, I quite like the first two. Not enough to order them, but quite like the first two. But this the one for this week's, it's that crisp packet. And I thought, of all the things in that episode, that is a really bizarre choice play for a t-shirt I, I, i'm afraid i won't be getting that one but yeah i think this is the it's the crisp packet ryan get has i think k plaps crisps yeah <laughs> now with added hopper virus yeah <laughs> actually i quite like it when you say it like that but yeah, yeah. i think this but, is uh i've only seen the women's version of that though all oh, right okay. i've not seen the i could be wrong but yeah but yeah, I, I do like this idea though of having like individual t-shirts printed for each episode. I do think that's a nice, a nice idea. Mm, that's kind of cool. I like the, yeah. um, I like the spy for one, the safety card, laminated card on a t-shirt. Yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah, that grabbed my attention. I was going to say, I, I yeah, I haven't ordered any of these. I probably won't yet unless there's one I like. But that was the one I thought was quite quirky and probably the one I would have ordered so far. Yeah, yeah it's quite a nice idea. Nice. Yeah. So that's it, mate. I'm yeah. trying not to spend anyway. It's January. It's a long month till payday, so must be good. I'm trying not to spend. Yeah. Yeah. Long month, old January. Yes, it is. Yeah. So yeah, I'm being good. Um, but apart from that, I haven't been up to much. What about you? Uh, yeah. Before we get on to uh, what I did, uh, just very quickly pick up on the five doctors. We reviewed that um, back on. Episode 19. Episode, really? I knew it was a long time. Gosh, I didn't realise it was that early on in the run. My yeah, yeah. Word. yep, yep. Episode 19, and you gave it, so what score did you give it? A 10. You it's, gave it a 10. And it's I, the only one that I would have ever scored 10, I think. Yeah, and I gave it a 9. 9, yeah. Yep. It is brilliant. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's very good. You gave City of Death a 9.5. You weren't far wow. off a 10 with that one. Wow. And the Zygon inversion, you gave a nine. Yes. Well, yeah, I do. Series nine, that is, as well. I do like that one. Um, me and uh, our f- good friend Adam Mamoon, we um, often have an argument about, uh, well, not an argument, but we, we have a discussion about the Five Doctors because he prefers the special edition with the new effects and the added scenes. Oh, yeah. Whereas I always go for the original. You're a purist. The purest. And yeah. um, it's weird because if you could do a mix of the two, it would be good because, um, yeah, I don't really, I'm not really one for updated effects. So I quite like the sort of simplicity of the originals. And also, um, I don't know, like the bits with the doctor, you know, like when he gets the fourth doctor gets put back uh, on earth and he's, it's the Sharder clip where he's lying on the floor and then his scarf gets trapped in the yeah. TARDIS yep. door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think in the special edition, they use a totally, he's just back on the boat, which does make more sense, but <laughs> I always miss that little scene. So little bits like that. So yeah. Next time I watch it, I will watch the special edition just because I always go for the original always. But, um, next time I, I reach for it, I will watch the special edition. I think just to see. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool with the the releases of who over the years is that if you do want to watch the original one you you can it's it's available to watch isn't it where unlike the old george lucas (laughs) debacle that's been going constantly for however many years now you can't you know lucasfilm refused to put out the the unedited unmessed around with version so you're stuck with the 
He keeps saying they're lost. No, then. Doesn't it? How can they be lost? He's like, no, we can never. I remember hearing him say it in an interview. He's like, no, we can never see. We can never see the originals again because the original prints don't exist. I'm like, George, don't be silly. Don't be they, us, they were issued on They yeah. were issued on DVD not not that many years ago. No, um, yeah. Although they were really bad quality. It's almost a bit like when the BBC issued... Um, the underwater menace. It was almost like we'll get them. You know, they can have it, but they can have it in the worst possible quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a big fan community around the unedited, despecialized versions of those Star Wars films. So, and there's about three or four really good quality releases. So, if fans can do it with zero budget, I'm pretty sure that Lucasfilm, with billions of dollars in the bank, can somehow wrangle it together somehow. Of course Anyways, I can. Yeah. So that's been you, bud, for the week. That's me. Uh, I haven't really done much, who, to be honest with you. Um, I have watched a couple of classic stories, though, have mainly you? because uh, I mentioned on last week's show when we spoke about BritBox, I fired up my subscription again because I cancelled it before because there, no, there was no classic Doctor Who on there. But unbeknownst to me at the time, it was just planned. It just wasn't available, you know, at launch. Mm. So just before Christmas, they added it all on there. So I've been having a play with that. And uh, yeah, I watched The Caves of Androzani because I've watched that in ages. Ooh. So that was a good a good rewatch. And I also watched The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Oh, well, two great stories there. It was I a mean, good night of who, mate? It was. Yeah, they are two belters, actually. I, I love both of those stories. Mm. Um, yeah. It's weird because I think, Caves is slightly more serious. I think if I was going to go for one, weirdly, I'd probably pick Great Show because I just love that. It's just fun and it's got you know and eerie at the same time. Whereas uh, Caves is just a belter, but it's very sort of serious and in tone. And yeah. Davison's on fire in that. Oh, he's amazing <laughs> brilliant. in that. Yeah, brilliant. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I've been playing with that, and um, we'll have a review up on on the website soon for BritBox because it has got a, some cool sort of curated sections around. Doctor Who. Um, the thing that I like about it the most, actually, is only a small thing, but when you fire up the app and you've got the the navigation at the top, uh, one of the main level links at the top is Doctor Who. So it's really focused on classic Who and mm. got lovely artwork and and it's all nicely organised and stuff. So it's very cool if you're if, if you're in the mood just for browsing classic Who. There's no modern Doctor Who on there at the moment, but and I tweeted BritBox the other day and I said, oi. Hmm. When are we going to get some Sarah Jane and some Torchwood up on BritBox? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. And I got met with the oh, it could be, could not be. It's it's probably a licensing thing, probably some, somewhere. But uh, it would be cool to have that stuff appear on there at some point. But yeah, they've got that. I must admit, when we went through the list of stuff they've they have put on there, it's quite impressive, wasn't it? All the sort of like the more than thirty years they've got on there. I think you said and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I was really pleased to see an advert for it last night. I mean, I was just had the telly on in the background, and I suddenly heard Tom Baker's booming voice, <laughs> and I, it was ITV. So you know, it's a little unexpected. Um, it's actually on ITV. So uh, yeah, I heard uh, Breadbox coming to Doctor Who, and I thought, oh my word! So they were advertising it on terrestrial TV, and I thought that was really cool. It's just so strange to see Doctor <laughs> Who clips on ITV. It was bizarre, but that's really good to see. And I love Baker's, you know, oh, just the way that he talks in the adverts and stuff. It's just so good, isn't he? Yeah, it's very cool. If you're a fan of classic television, it hasn't gotten that much in the way of brand new stuff that's just appeared on tv but if you're a fan of classic tv it's got tv way back to 
like the Only Fools and Horses days and the Vicar of Dibley and all those really lovely shows that were on when I was young. It's really cool. So, and, Any yeah. uh, Blake Seven or Wurzel Gummidge on it? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh, come on, Britbox. Yeah, but they did say that it's early days. It's this early is like days. The, the early, like the, the first um, initial batch of content. So I would imagine that over the next couple of years, it will be fleshed out with lots of stuff. So, mm. yes. So that's what I've been up to, mate. Not much else. Just watching a bit of Classic Who. Uh, but we've had some good reviews go out on the website, though, over the last yes. week or two, which I forgot to mention last week. So uh, one of our reviewers, Jordan, uh, Jordan Shortman's got some really good big Finnish reviews. Uh, he did Gorter of, uh, Gorter. He did Daughter mm-hmm. of the Gods, which is a cracking story. I listened to that week before last. Uh, Blood on Santa's Claws, sixth Doctor story. Uh, the Robots, Volume 1, which is apparently pretty good and something that i've yet to listen to which sounds really good is the war master latest story called anti-genesis mm. which sounds very cool mm. and uh, also one of our other writers maria she put a really good in-depth review of spyfall on there a bit of a deep dive into all that stuff so some cool stuff over on the website along with the podcast so head over and check those out yeah it's really good actually i do read through them i i, I must say thanks to those guys because they really do um you know we do our podcasts and stuff and like you said often we sort of forget to mention them and you know you always tweet them and stuff but yeah you guys really do do a great job for us and um, so please do check out their reviews they are really really good yeah really good stuff from those people indeedy good good stuff right (laughs) those people (laughs) so (laughs) that lot (laughs) that lot over there from the from the sort of unheard uh, yeah side of the podcast the the writers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah jordan maria and mark our three top tier awesome writers and we've opened up comments on the website now as well so if you find their stuff interesting you can comment away and give them your views and so on but what would we, what would we call them the behind the scenes crew what what, what? uh an extension of the podcast i mean they are i consider that they are part of the podcast and just yeah of course yeah trying to think what we could call them yeah i tried to arrange it last year to get them on the podcast and do Mm. and do a section on there where we could quiz them a bit on their favorite stories oh that would be good that stuff so i'll try and sort that out i'll send a message to those guys later on yeah but the problem is it's getting everybody together at the same time that's the thing so we'll try and sort that but there are you know that would be good though yeah Yeah, we must do that Mm. very cool and also it's a bit of a spoiler but likely next month or the end of this month uh those of you that are keen writers and reviewers and stuff like that there will be one or two little little cracks in the door oh if you want to if you want to try and get in so keep your <laughs> keep your, your eyes peeled and your ears to the ground for that i can see like the 11th hour crack appearing <laughs> in the blue box tardis like people trying to get in <laughs> yes. oh now, while I remember, just before, because I know you're wrapping up, there is something I want to ask you. Did you get a ticket for the faceless ones at BFI? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, all oh, right. I thought you were going to go. Uh, no, well, I wanted to go. I do want oh. to go, but I can't that weekend, unfortunately. Oh. What is it with that weekend? Because I can't go either. I'm really gutted. Mm. I saw everyone, because they went on sale yesterday. We're recording this on a Wednesday, and I saw everyone like posting in the group chat, like, oh, what row are you? I'm seat, blah, blah, blah. And I've just sat there with a little tiny tear forming in my eye. That <laughs> I think it's the first one I've missed, will be missing. I think I've managed to get to all the others, um, you know, for, from last year anyway. Um, oh, I've got to be missing that. But yeah, I, yeah, I thought you were going. 
Uh, no, but well, I was hoping to go, but then when I uh, when I saw the date, I was like, oh crap. Ah. Yeah, yeah, busy that weekend. But uh, Maria, one of our writers, is going, so she will. I'm sure she will put her review on on the site, anyways. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I really, really like Maria. We I often see her there. Perhaps she could take along two cardboard cutouts of us with some <laughs> string to move our arms around as if you know just to represent us yeah who are these crazy people standing up take your <laughs> seats bar. it's like they can't <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear anyways should we land the TARDIS and do a bit of news yes we better sh- better should <laughs> we better should As Series 12 thunders along, mm. we have been treated to some names for some upcoming episodes that we didn't know before. Mm. So we knew next week's one, obviously, because that was uh, shown to us in the trailer and the, the official Beeb stuff, which is... So Episode 4, which is next week's... Sorry, no, this week's story, this Sunday, is Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Uh, inventor Nikola Tesla is at war with his rival Thomas Edison. However, there is an even greater threat in their midst. And uh, this is going back to New York back in the 20th century. And mm. it's written by uh, Nina uh, Mativia. I hope I'm saying that right. And this is the first time uh, she's written for who? And uh, it's, uh, it's about, obviously, Nikola Tesla, who's known for... Um, he's the inventor of the, uh, the AC, the alternating current electrical electricity supply. Uh, and he's also, um, uh, his rival, Thomas Edison. Um, he, he's, uh, they're like, there were two kind of masterminds in that field, I suppose. Um, but this is, this story is in the trailer that they put out prior to Spyfall coming out. There's that really cool scene from this story where you see the big scorpion metal thing, that comes crashing out of the alleyway into the yes. main street and stuff. So it's that story. Mm-hmm. And the trailer looks pretty good uh, for this this week's uh, show. So that's episode four, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Episode five is going to be Fugitive of the Jadoon. So mm-hmm. don't have to guess what that story is about. <laughs> uh, stomping their way into present-day Gloucester, the Jadoon are on the hunt for someone on the run. Who is this fugitive and why are these alien mercenaries after them? Mm. So this is the return of everybody's favourite intergalactic policeman, uh, fugitive of of the Jadoon. Um, this sounds a little bit like the Sarah Jane story. I was that just thinking we reviewed. that. Yeah. What was that story called? It was the one with uh, what's his name's dad was in it. Is that right? It's the one where the Jadoon was driving around in the police in the car. car and stuff, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know what it's called, but yeah, it was a good episode, actually. Yeah, it was pretty good. That sounds mm. quite similar to that. And It does, yeah. Uh, yes, and then episode six is called Praxius, uh, which is written by... Oh, sorry, the previous one is written by uh, Vinay Patel and will be directed by Nida Manzor. Uh, Vinay Patel. Uh, yes, um, so uh, she wrote Demons of the Punjab, or he, he, she. He he wrote Demons of the Punjab. So that was a cracking story. So that should be good. And mm. then Praxius, uh, written by Pete Mateague. And uh, he wrote Kablam from series Kablam. 11. Yeah. And the synopsis for that one is, the Doctor and her friends split up to investigate multiple mysteries across planet Earth. What will they find uh, will threaten 
all of humanity. Mm. Dot, dot, dot. So there you go, mate. Next few episodes we've got titles and a synopsis for. So, yeah, I'm quite intrigued by next... Oh, sorry, I keep saying next week. I'm quite intrigued by this week's show, the, the Nikola Tesla one, because it's written by somebody who's not written for who before. Mm. So that could be quite cool. Um, I was thinking that, yeah. Yes. Uh, and obviously, um, uh, Vinay Patel and Pete Matig have written for Series 11. So we'll see what that brings. And we'll also see what sort of meddling the Chibbers has done with these scripts as well. It'd be interesting. <laughs> it's it's nice that we're getting a few more bits this series. I mean, it's I think it's just I think they've got it just right, you know, this time round because Series 11, Chibnall really held his cards close to his chest which is all well and good but a little bit too much so at least this time we're getting just a little bit of synopsis we're getting four or five promotional images each week for for the stories that don't really give anything away it's just enough you know what i mean it's just enough to sort of th- to get you oh that sounds good or oh the doctor's got something on her nose in that picture what's that it's just enough yes without giving anything away i think they've, they've got it right but it does i don't know i can't help but sort of imagine they have to sneak in and, and sort of distract Chibnall with something <laughs> shiny. And then they'd sort of take something out of his like vault. Quick, quick, we've got the pictures. Quick. Okay. <laughs> but see you next week, uh, Chris. Yeah, no, nothing. Don't worry about it. You know, so I don't know. I'm sure, <laughs> but it's nice. I think, as I said, I think they've got it absolutely right this year. Just, just enough to, to give us something, but without giving anything away. So I'm, I'm looking forward to these. I agree with you. Um, be nice to have a new writer this week. See what, see how that goes. Yes. Yeah, and I did when I met Vinnie Patel uh, at Forbidden Planet signing um, just before Christmas, and yeah, um, yeah, and he did say because I said I I really enjoyed Demons of Punjab, which I did. If you listen to me, that was one of the ones I thought was really good from Series Eleven. I said I'm looking forward to what you come up with next year, and he said, "Oh, it's uh, very different, very different from Demons." I said, "Oh, that's good, that's good, that's a good thing." So yeah, yeah, let's see what he delivers. Uh, right, moving on. Uh, those fantastic people at Dwas, the Doctor Who Appreciation Society, and hello, Rick. I hope you're on the mend again now. I know you had a bit of a, well, tough uh, end to the year last year, so I think you're back on your feet and hopefully doing good there, mate. And it's uh, great to see that they have got a new Celestial Toy Room annual uh, available, and it's free to download uh, this one looks at the third Doctor era with over 100 pages from Spearhead from Space to Planet of the Spiders. Um, there will be a limited run hardback copy available as well, uh, which will help raise money for Save the Children in remembrance of Terence Dix. Um, but yeah, if you want to download uh, a free version of this, you can from the DWAS website. Gary will put a link in the show notes, no doubt. Indeedy. Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, th- that's great. I mean, I love the cover to this. It's very green, isn't it? Very pertly green. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is cool as well to make this free of charge. It's a bit of a. Yeah. Because normally you, I think I could be wrong, but I think you get these when you become a member of the DWAS. Uh, but they're making this one free to all. But you, you, you'll be able to buy the hard copy still. Uh, and stuff yeah and then that charity day that that you mentioned there it's um it's a joint effort between the Dwas and the i've never heard of these guys before but apparently there's something called the derby uh the hoovers which is based up in derby hmm. and they're doing a one-day event on sunday the 15th of march to celebrate uh terence dix and uh the event organized in partnership with the dix family will raise funds for save the children which terence himself supported for 
for quite a few years and some good guests so far. Some Katie really Manning. Really good guests, yeah. yeah. Katie Manning, Fraser Hines, Nick Briggs, of course. Uh, John Coulshaw, he'll be a good laugh. Oh, well, he's he's really nice. I mm, like John. Yeah, Toby Haydock, Gary Russell, Edward. Yeah, there's a few decent people there actually, mate. Mm. Yeah. Does that say Stephen Moffat? It does. Yes. My word. I didn't want to include him in the people that would be a laugh. <laughs> oh, he is. I'm joking. Laugh. I'm joking. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I just did. <laughs> don't upset the moth. You know he gets riled easily. The moth. Oh, I actually love. Um, I do like Stephen. He's always. Good fun in interviews and stuff. Very uh, droll. <laughs> I've got yeah. this. I've got this image of. Um, <laughs> I've got this image in my head of 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 the moth. Uh, you know, we always joke about him when he's. We did it last series when they were putting season. Oh God, where's that swear jar? When they were putting series eleven out, we had this running joke where he'd be watching it, and then uh, another glass of wine would be hoid at the TV, and his <laughs> missus would be pissed off with him. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just got this another vision in my head. Anyone that's seen The Office, the UK version from years ago, the Christmas special, there's a bit where David Brent, he's left the company now, but he's a bit sour still. And there's a bit where he's kind of drunk one night and he's like, I'll, I'll know that Neil, which is the guy that replaced him, I know he'll make too many mistakes and he'll believe what I said all along. And then he'll come back to me and that's when the begging starts. But this is going to cost you. Because <laughs> how much you got? I've just got this vision in my head of the mothball sitting there, all the negative stuff and the bad reviews that come through. He's just sat there like, they'll come back. They'll come back. They'll come back. Oh, this is going to cost you. <laughs> how much you got? How much you got? Um, but yes, the mothball will be at this event, and uh, tickets are forty pounds, forty quid. Yep, just over. And you can get them from Eventbrite again. I'll stick a, a link in the show notes. But um, this might be kind of cool, dude. If we can get there. It sounds great. It's at the um, Cinema Museum in London, which is, um, oh, I went there years ago. They had a Doctor Who art sort of collection on display there. So it's quite a small, smallish place, very intimate. Um, mm. So, yeah, it would be great, actually, especially with, with those guys there. I mean, to be honest, just having Katie Manning's enough, she's just worth the admission price alone. I love Katie. So, yes, it does sound good. And, and also for a very worthy cause as well. So it's a really nice event uh, if you can get along to that one. Yes. Yes. But the old Celestial Toy Manual, I'll stick a link to that. Download that. It's well worth a, well worth a read. It's loads and loads of pages, loads of cool, packed with Who content. So, mm. yes. And then Indeed. lastly, we've got a couple of stories on ratings. We're going to rattle through these. So the overnight, oh, sorry, the Spyfall confirmed figures are now out. I think the overnights that we mentioned last week, they were about four point something million overnights. Yeah. And uh, the consolidated or official, whatever you want to call it, has come in as 6.89 million mm-hmm. uh, across all of the mediums, I suppose. And um, yeah, so we said we said this would happen, though, because initially we said, you know, we've seen better ratings. They were quite low. But when you look at the the consolidated figures, they are they're actually quite high, uh, nearly seven million viewers altogether, which is quite good. Uh, so that's um, and it's got an appreciation score of eighty two as well. So anything above eighty is considered very good. Mm. Uh, so that's all good. And then we have got some overnight figures for Orphan fifty five, uh, down from Spy for a little bit, uh, four point nineteen million. Uh, so we'll see what happens with the with the consolidated figures for that as well. But I read an article the other day, there was another, there was another doctor who blog that I read occasionally. I, I happened to see a, a link for it in their Twitter feed. 
and they i wasn't impressed dude to mm. be honest with you because there was there are some yeah i can't remember exactly what website it was and normally they're very good but this article just seemed to be very scaremongery and just try to create a sense of you know doctor who's going to be axed next week if they don't sort this sort of thing out but mm. um and you know it, it's clear for anyone to see if you if you pay attention to these things, these viewing figures and everything, you know, it's not, they don't hide the fact that the figures have gone down progressively over the years. That's, you know, we, we all know that, but the way this article was written was like, Oh my God, if they don't fix this ASAP, then we're going to head for another hiatus and we're going to have it off our screens for years and all that sort of thing. But when you look at the consolidated figures, it's actually, you know, it's pretty reasonable. It's not yeah, too bad. They're not too bad. And I must admit, um, so we've, Spyfall getting four um, something million. I expected because normally after the, you know, the the opener of a series always gets sort of a high or usually gets a high figure. And then to be fair, uh, every season this has happened, it's dropped sort of fairly dramatically. You know, you normally lose a couple of million, I think, or at least a million, you know, once the second part goes out because people tune in to see and then for whatever reason it drops off a little bit. So to get four million again, with the third episode, I think is okay. I really do because yeah, like you said, uh, in terms of it was still the fifth most watched program of the day. Um, and I think even those that were ahead of it only got like a couple more million viewers, just generally viewing figures are just down. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, on paper it looks like, Oh God, only 4 million, but it's, um, yeah. in the bigger picture of things it doesn't seem to be anything to worry about i don't think the only thing i would sort of think in my head is as i watch series 12 the budget is just so massive uh, you can tell the bbc have really thrown money at doctor who in the last couple of years um that's the only thing i'd worry about in terms of viewing figures like i, I don't know if that has any relevance i don't know how these things work but i sort of think well is it does it still justify it probably does because they probably get lots of sales from the dvds and merch and whatever but um yeah, but I don't think there's anything to worry about. I've seen a few articles as well, even like the Radio Times and things have been a little bit, you know, oh, Doctor Who's lowest figures ever and all this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, there's sort of truth in the articles, but also the way it's written is sort of slanted to sound bad and there is a bigger picture to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, don't yep. think there's anything to worry about, to be honest with you. I still think it's fairly healthy. No, I don't think it's yeah. concerning right now. Just, yeah, anyone that's reads into these articles try not to pay it too much mind it's just trying to get you to read it basically it's like there's a, a lot of clickbait clickbait definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there we go that was the uh some figures there for you for uh spy four and overnights for orphan 55 we'll report next week on the consolidated ones for for orphan 55 but they're likely to be pretty high once you put it all together yes you know, Right, we've got a couple of merch items to talk through, so let's see what the old, old metal grumpy friend has got. <laughs> merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. <laughs> He looks very excited today. He's flashing his little lights quite a lot. What's, what's he, he must have got something really good. Yes, even even he is excited by <laughs> our first bit of merch, and you can see why. Yeah. At least these guys are rolling true with <laughs> um, just their 
constant quality. It's so good to see. So season 26 will be out uh, in a couple of weeks, I think, or even next week. 27th is out, I think. The 27th, right. But we do have confirmation that the next special edition, limited edition, exclusive packaging, exclusive artwork, exclusive everything, Blu-ray box set is going to be Series 14. You just can't bring yourself to say season. I can't, You still hate that word, don't you? Even though it's officially the thing. So Doctor Who, the collection, Season 14, will be with us in April. But we know it won't be. So probably at some point in May, (laughs) we'll get um, Season 14. And once again, Mr. Lee Binding has done a cracking job on the artwork for everything. I mean, the front cover... It's, it's awesome. Beautiful. It's so Absolutely cool. Absolutely beautiful. I love it. It's yes, yeah, Tom in the Talons uh, outfit. Oh, it just looks stunning. Yes. And Look all at the... that booklet inside. Oh, yeah, give it, it me great. now. Just uh, give it me now. <laughs> and all the discs, the artwork looks oh, brilliant. The gosh. The Gallif- or the the Rassilon symbol on the disc with the character in front and all that stuff. It looks so good. It does. One thing, a very small detail I didn't see. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, uh, old clever Mr. Binding, is that the set that was used for quite a lot of um, talons of Wang Chiang is set in the underground, isn't it? And the sewers and stuff. Mm. If you look at the, uh, the artwork, the time vortex that's behind the doctor is actually the sewer. Yeah. That's been sort of morphed into the round uh, vortex shape, which is such a cool thing because such a good idea. Yeah. Cause there's some, some good stories on this one, but talons I've got to say is probably my favorite from this series and it's a very popular story from baker's run so mm. to, to have that sort of instantly recognizable it's it's very cool so uh, at the moment monday the 20th of april uh, is the date of release you can pre-order it now from the usual places amazon zoom.uk.co.uk um i don't know if hmv do pre-orders or zavi those sorts of people you can probably probably pre-order it from those guys um but the stories from series 14 uh, as we all know you've got the mask of mandragora the Hand of Fear, The Deadly Assassin, The Face of Evil, The Robots of Death, and The Talons of Wang Chiang. And uh, yes, it's going to be very cool, mate. Just some features that are going to feature on... Some features that are going to feature? Mm-hmm. Some special features that will be included in the box set. You've got um, a new 5.1 uh, mix for The Deadly Assassin. Two new audio commentaries, which are very good. You've got Tom Baker and Matthew Sweet. Oh. Uh, on the face of evil and talons you've got behind the sofa again mm. they're really good they are this is going to have tom baker obviously louise jameson philip hinchcliffe plus sophie aldred and peter purvis brilliant which is cool uh, there's one called our sarah jane which is a, oh. a tribute to liz sladen a feature length look at the life and career of sarah jane smith played by liz sladen oh, get the tissues at the ready that, i know that sounds wonderful yeah you've got who's doctor who revisited which is toby haydock uh, meets the producers and the grown-up stars of the very first Doctor Who documentary. You've got In Conversation, which is the normal Matthew Sweet thing, and he's going to be talking to producer uh, Philip Hinchcliffe. You've got the Blu-ray trailer, which we saw on YouTube, oh, which was released brilliant. today. Yep, uh, with uh, it's got Louise Jameson. And a Vok robot. And a, yeah, which looks really mm-hmm. cool. You've got brand new interviews, although it doesn't state at the moment who they're with. You've got rare archive footage, convention footage, which sounds very interesting. Uh, mm. You've got photo galleries in HD, plus you've got scripts and costume designs and rare BBC production files in loads of PDF documents. So another jam-packed 
release, dude. I assume you're going to pre-order this one. It's just amazing. <laughs> Honestly, just listen to you reel through what's on there and the look of it and the episodes themselves. I mean, it's a great season, isn't it? You know, Deadly Assassin, I love. Robots of Death, I love. Talons, I love. Mandragora's good. Hand of Fear, Say Goodbye to Sarah Jane. Face of Evil's good, actually. A bit underrated, that one. It's such a good season. The extras just sound amazing. Honestly, I just cannot wait. I just think it looks brilliant. I mean, this and season 26, you know, um, I just, I'm so excited for them. I just really cannot wait. Uh, it's a, it's an absolute must. It is, um, mate. Yep. Yeah. It's just, yeah, just amazing. I've got two questions. Not <laughs> related two. to this because this looks amazing and this, I've already yeah. pre-ordered it. So that's a yeah. given at this point. Yeah. Um, but my question is, how are they going to handle the TV movie? if they are going to do it, because that's going to be a, a very trim um, collector's edition. If they do, if you do lump the movie in with the classic years, which it often gets lumped in with, doesn't it? Whenever you talk about classic who it's always Hartnell to McGann. So mm. whether they're going to do another special release of that in its own little packaging, I'm not sure. I would love that. Yeah. And the other thing is I'd like as much as I love these sets and I really do, I would really, I really want to see how they're going to handle some of the earlier Doctor Who seasons, which has got a combination of um, uh, complete stories and stories that have got missing bits and pieces, how they're just going to get all that together. Because the reason why these series or these collector sets are so good is not only the remastered image quality and some of the the, uh, the remixed audio tracks and, and all that stuff and the mixes, but the special features are so good on each mm. set. So I'm wondering how they're going to handle some of the Hartnell and Troughton seasons back in the day where there's not an awful lot of that stuff is there. So Yeah. And, and also like, um, sad to say, not a lot of the actors still around to be interviewed and stuff. And precisely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure they've got a plan, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's be interesting to see what they actually, they do. Um, I, I love the trailers for these. Like this this one, you know, the last one we had Colin in court, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, and this time we've got, yeah, Louise Jameson in the garden with a Vok robot servant um, <laughs> who turns <laughs> turns evil. Uh, they're just, I just love the amount of effort that gets put into these. And that's another cracking little trailer. Uh, I yes, thought yeah. really good fun. Um, it's, yeah, it's nice. Uh, I tell you what, it, I know we say this every time, but these do disappear quite quick and then they they really go for a lot of money once they're gone. Um, so, yeah, don't hang around. If you, I know they're like 40 quid, I think, 39.99, yeah. roughly. Um, I, I can just, if you, honestly, if you, if you want it, just don't wait around. I've, every single release so far has sold out pretty quick um, and they're all about 150 quid plus now if you want to get them. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, got to get it. Got to get it. This in 26 and every other release that they do, it's just, yeah, must-haves. Yeah, we know that the first collector set they put out is getting a re-release at some that's point. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. been quite quiet on that front. We don't know when that's coming or how much or or anything. So, But there's no guarantee they're going to re-release the other ones. So if you want them, you're going to you're gonna have to get your plastic out. There was um, one in my local CEX uh, of season 12. Ooh. I saw it behind the counter. I was like, how much is that? And it was 350 quid. No way. Um, <sighs> I don't know how much they paid for it. Because obviously, the, you know, CEX, they give you the 
absolute pittance, but they probably, yeah, but it was 350 quid. But then I went in uh, again fairly recently and they've dropped the price um, because they even they are already aware that it's going to get a reissue. Oh, so they've, right, they've right. dropped it. Yeah, they're such nice sets. And uh, I know 40 quid sounds a lot to sort of to pay at the time, but it's absolutely worth it. I think for the amount of content you get and the beautiful packaging, I think, honestly, I think they are... To be honest, I think they're a steal at 40 quid. I really do. I don't begrudge that money at all. I don't, I really do think they're worth it. Yeah. We you know, say it's not. Yeah. And I look at the sets on the shelf and I don't think to myself, oh, that was a bit pricey. Oh, I don't know if I should have treated myself to that. I look at them and think they are beautiful. That's probably one of my favorite things in my in my collection. I love them. Yeah, we say it all the time, but we have yeah. definitely spoiled with these because yeah. not only did the love and care, you can see that in, in the content and the, the packaging and and all that stuff, but also they've taken the time and money to go and film new stuff mm. for it. So it's not just some of these old releases where you just get a copy of the old DVD extras from years ago. They've actually gone out and filmed new stuff, behind the sofa stuff, the Matthew Sweet interviews. On season 26 that's coming up, they're gonna, they've, Sophie Aldred and some other people have gone out to locations, done stuff there, and we've, we've spoiled. I, these are worth more than 40 quid. Definitely. Yeah, don't tell yeah. the BBC that. They'll start off. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Actually, I do, going back to what you said about the Eighth Doctor one, I wonder what they will do. I'm I'm sure I spoke to Lee about it, Lee Binding, when we were at the BFI, and um, we were both quite drunk, and I genuinely can't <laughs> remember what he told me. And even if I could, I probably wouldn't say, because, you know, it'd be top secret. But I, I, don't, it, I don't think he gave too much away, but I can't, there was a sort of answer to it, but I can't remember what was happening with that. Um, but mm. that would be really nice if they did a little bonus release of, of the t- tv movie in its own little box with maybe some big finish stuff and because he's done loads mcgann's done loads of big finish i don't know they could there's way around it there's ways around it so yeah we'll see but um yeah I, I just look forward to seeing what's next i mean these next two releases are two great seasons in my opinion um i would love to see davidson's last season and um, would be good i'd love to see season 20 What's, what season is it with Remembrance? Is it 23? 24? 24. 25? Yeah. No, it's 24. <laughs> the one, is it? No, hang on, because 26 is the last one. It's got to be 25. Oh, 25. So, yeah, yeah right, the one yeah. with Remembrance. I'd love to see that. I mean, well, I'd love to see them all. Let's put it that way. But let's have all of them. Be interested to, uh, yeah, let's have the lot. <laughs> be interested to see what, what's next, though. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, we'll have the 8K versions <laughs> that will trickle out in a, in a few years' time. Yeah. And the holographic these- versions. We are 3D, enhanced 3D. We are being spoiled, actually, uh, because, you know, we've got that lovely Series 5 steelbook coming out. There is some great stuff coming out in the next few months. You know, Faceless One steelbook, Fury of the Deep steelbook. <laughs> some really nice stuff coming up. Yeah, and got the people at the BBC are just cracking up laughing. They're like that. They're buying them again. Look, <laughs> yeah. they're buying them all again. What's... <laughs> I told you this was a money spinner. Look, yeah. a bit of nice artwork and they're ours. Look, they're buying them all again. Which Tell holiday are you having next year? Tell Jibbers you can have another 50 quid for that set. <laughs> We've <laughs> yeah i didn't think they'd buy him again that lot well you don't know these lot <laughs> a bit a bit of nice artwork and a couple of features and they're anybody's they're anybody's yeah it's true <laughs> talking of buying it again so the other thing on his merch table um six doctor fans would like this so uh there's the the blu-rays get uh these sets get um german releases in it's slightly different packaging and uh 
they they did one for the TV movie, funny enough. So it's hard for me to explain, but I think a lot of our listeners will have seen these. Um, so it's called the Doc 2 Season 23 Collector's Edition Media Book. Okay, so and it's obviously Season 23. Um, how would you describe it? It's like a sort of black, they're sort of black book style covers. Yeah. With, with, yeah, with then Lee Bindings. I mean, this is this is the same initial artwork as the UK release, but with a sort of black book rather than the sort of teal colour that we get. Is that, is that the best way to describe it? Yeah. So if you can imagine Lee Bindings artwork, the backgrounds are like this kind of light, purpley, milky kind of colour. Mm. So it's the same artwork, but it's been re- inverse, if you like. So the, the backgrounds are very dark, almost black, dark, bluey kind of color yeah it's just like an alternative version i suppose but i think the packaging is slightly different as well yeah um, slightly different yeah, yeah i mean it looks yeah it looks like it's got sort of a i mean inside i assume the writing is all in german but it does have um english language obviously on the disc themselves so you can play them because uh, they're region free as well so basically you pre-order the box set uh, the pre-orders up to the 26th of january and then you actually get if you pre-order it you get mentioned in the fan credits of the actual set itself which is quite a nice little touch so it's a, it's something a bit different um and i know you bought well they did pre-order it, you bought the seventh doctor era version from from these guys didn't you so that's so that did. was a sort of yeah yeah i did pre-order it, yeah so i got my I got my name in the credits as well, which is nice on that one. And mm. they're doing the same thing with this. So it's kind of a weird thing, though, this one. I will be honest with you, because mm. if anything, you would have thought that they would have gone along along with the same style that they did with the with the, the Seventh Doctor. Because the Seventh Doctor one's like a big kind of coffee table um, yeah, so it's a bit like the regeneration set, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that kind of set, and it's like a really big book, and then you have got the discs in, you know, in the pages. Whereas this one, I think it's trying to mimic the collector sets, like we just spoke about, mm. but it's because it's for a different market and it's a different thing. Uh, they haven't done the ones before, so it's meant to be like a standalone release almost. I can't, I don't know if they're going to do the other sets eventually, but. But like I said, the packaging's a bit different as well. I don't think you have that little Velcro bit with the booklet because the booklet's kind of part of the the case, if that makes sense. So it's almost like a it's like it's trying to be like mm. these sets, but not, if that makes sense. I suppose it's for the it's for well, I suppose it's for German Dot Two fans, but also for any hardcore fans that just want something a bit different in their collection. Because like I said, they are region free. Um, you can order them and get them delivered over here. Um, I might be wrong saying this, but the ones, the previous releases I've seen, like the TV movie, um, I think they've been standalone stories. So I think there was one for, was it Case of Androzani or something like that? So I'm not sure, but I'm pretty, the ones that I've seen with these style of covers from this particular production company, which are officially BBC licensed, um, I think they've been individual stories up to now rather than box sets, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But anyway, yeah, if you're collecting these or you want to take a look again, I'm sure Gary will put a link in the show notes. Go and have a look at it. See what you think. It's it's yeah. It looks like a variation on the sort of UK version of season 23. It's just good to see something a bit different, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a result of them not going with the big coffee type coffee table style sort of thing, it is a little bit cheaper as well. I think I paid a, about 130 quid for my set. This is a 80 euros or 80 pounds even 
Yeah. So as a result of trimming it down a bit, it's a bit cheaper as well. So if you're a Sixth Doctor fan and you want something unique in your media collection, this could be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's merch. That's it. You got anything else? No. <laughs> of course he hasn't. Off he trots. Miserable. <laughs> right, bud. Review time. Yes. What you got? So, yeah, we're on to the episode three, but the second story, if you like, of series 12. Uh, and this one's called Orphan 55. Welcome to Tranquility Spa. Why would you need to defend a holiday spa with an ionic membrane? My friends are out there. We need to evacuate. And if you can, you die. Run! <laughs> sorry is that Hollyoaks? do you know what mate i was thinking oh god i was thinking about this earlier on when i was recording the trailer i thought that sounds like something else and that might be it Hollyoaks. yeah like the adverts they put out because i don't watch it but the adverts they put out for Hollyoaks. i was just about to say i don't know how i know that because i don't watch Hollyoaks, but it must be the adverts are on tv I think so. Stuck in our head, yeah. Okay, let's get into it. Orphan 55. It Mm. was broadcast, as we know, uh, last Sunday on the 12th. It was written by Ed Heim. It was directed by Lee Haven Jones. And uh, after we see Graham fiddling around in the TARDIS, he wins everybody a free holiday off at this uh, supposedly... um, blissful holiday resort tranquility spa but it becomes clear that um that's not really the case the uh, uh the oxygen level starts to go nuts um ryan gets infected with a, some kind of virus and then it turns out that these creatures that are on the planet are trying to break in and and kill everybody and uh as the story moves forward it transpires that the the planet orphan 55 is basically earth uh it's been uh it's been abused and corrupted over the the centuries and now it's uh, humans have uh evolved into these kind of mutated forms and stuff and uh yes down to the doctor to preach i, I mean uh, help out everybody uh and, and rescue them safely there's a little bit of a a little bit of a twist as well with one of the characters that Ryan meets. Um, her name's Bella, I think. And uh, yeah, there's a bit of a, a bit of a motive there for her, for her reasons for being there and so on. So uh, after the, the good two-parter, we rated the uh, two-parter Spyfall re- uh, reasonably well. We gave it an eight out of 10 each. Mm. Does this continue with the good, the, the good series 12 vibes, mate? What, what have you got on this one? Um, no, not for me personally. I mean, oh, there was a no. massive, uh, massive uh, explosion of difference of opinion on Twitter, as you'd expect. But um, where was the first, the two parts got mostly praise? Um, you know, it's quite nice to see a lot of positive on Twitter. This one was ferocious. You know, it's very Marmite, it would seem. Um, and uh, I've got to agree, it didn't, it didn't really work for me, this episode. Um, I was kind of looking forward to it because... Ed Heim, who wrote this one, wrote It Takes You Away, uh, which was a very Marmite episode from season 11, series Mm. 11, um, the one with the frog on the chair. And I was one (laughs) of the people that actually liked the episode because I thought it had a lot of new ideas. It was trying something different. And I thought, you know, even if it didn't 
100% work. I loved all the stuff that Ed was trying to do. I thought, yeah, you know, this thing about switching between worlds, going into mirrors, and I liked all that. Felt quite sort of classic dot two. So I was looking forward to seeing what he came up with uh, with his second story. Um, and uh, I'm sorry to say, again, actually, I do think there were some really good ideas in this, especially giving it another watch today. Um, it did strike me there's some good stuff, actually, in his script. But it just, for me, turned into a lot of running around and shouting with a lot, an awful lot of characters thrown in. And I really didn't care about any of them. In fact, one of them, I, I think really ruined the episode for me. And that was that silly woman just shouting Benny every five seconds. I mean, it, I found it quite a hard <laughs> watch to be honest, but I think right. it started off really good. Like I always try and watch an episode twice. If we're going to review it, I, cause sometimes my opinion will change. Sometimes I will see things I didn't the first time around. Cause when this ended on Sunday night, I just, I was quite relieved. I'll be honest with you. I really just didn't get into it. I was like, Oh dear, that was hard work. Cause it was just a breakneck speed episode. It just, just, there was no sort of stop really. Um, I found it just exhausting to watch. I just honestly just couldn't wait for it to end. But so I was thinking, right, I must, I must give it another watch before we record the podcast because you know, it's got such a mixed reaction. I need to really sort of formulate my opinion on it because I'm not sure what I made of it. Um, but I didn't want to put it on. I really didn't want to. <laughs> so I got home from work last night and it was just one of those episodes. I thought, oh, I should watch that. I should watch that again before we record tomorrow. And I was like, no, I really just don't want to. I just don't want to put myself through it again. Um, but I did. I put it on this morning before we recorded. I thought, no, I will give it another watch. And for the first 10 minutes or so, I was thinking, ah, oh, actually, this isn't too bad. Maybe I was too harsh on it. But then as soon as we get into all the running around and everyone shouting at each other and stuff, and there's just so many things about it. I think it just lost its way and it becomes very messy, I think. So I sort of switch off after about 20 minutes. I've, I literally switched off. I realized that I wasn't watching it about 20 minutes in. Um, you know, I wasn't focusing on what was going on because I just totally lost interest. So it, it just didn't work for me. I just it's just not an episode I'm going to go back to very often. It's going to fall into that sort of thing of there was some good stuff. It looked good as an episode. Um, I've, I've got two positives really. And that is Jody. I thought was good this week, um, which was a nice surprise. You know, I've been struggling with Jody, but I thought she was good. And uh, I thought the creatures themselves looked fantastic. And there was a couple of really good, jump scare moments i just wish they'd done something i mean I, it struck me watching it again today that they really just roar and look good <laughs> so yeah design and all that was all good but it just as a story just didn't hold together there were so many things i kept thinking all the way through like why did the creatures take benny like what what do they keep him alive for what are they dragging this man around with this ox oxygen thing attached to him for like what's it all about you know, and the scene, <laughs> the scene where he says to her, you just hear the voice because we don't see him um, after he gets kidnapped. We don't see him. We just hear him, don't we? And he's like, That's the bit right. where he said, will you marry me? Oh, and also, can you shoot me? I was like, oh, for goodness. It just, <laughs> it was a very clunky. Um, and I was just thinking, but what are they keeping him for? What, what is, what is going on here? Like, yeah, there was a lot of that. There was just me, a lot of scratching my head in this episode of things that I just didn't think quite worked as well as they perhaps should have stuff like that. If I cared about some of the characters, I think it would have been a lot better. You know, if I cared about Benny and whatever her name was, 
then it probably would have been a better episode, but I didn't. I just found them incredibly annoying. Um, you know, just almost, well, I didn't want them to get killed, but I just didn't want to spend any time with them, you know? So, yeah, I, yeah, I think I can just sum it up by saying I didn't think it was great. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, that Over lasted long, didn't it, mate? <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, generally speaking, mate, I'm with you on this one. Okay. I, di- I didn't think it was terrible, but I certainly didn't think it was it was that good either. Mm. Unfortunately for me, I think there was there were more problems with it than there were enjoyable aspects to it for me. But it wasn't terrible. It was just I just yeah. And to be honest with you, I can think of there's there's two or three specific things that didn't work for me. Uh, before I get onto those though, there were some okay things. I mean, overall, it just felt like a bit of a rushed, um, repetitive thing. Mm. Like there was, like, if I ever hear that roaring sound from those aliens again, I'm going to jump off a <laughs> bloody building because uh, they looked very good. They looked, they looked quite great. scary yeah. and stuff. I can imagine that a lot of the younger viewers of who would have been mm. freaked out a little bit by those guys. So that that was good, but it was just style over substance. Really, they just wandered around. And don't get me wrong; it's great that they they got actors in rubber suits again. And some decent makeup. It was good, but they just wandered around, flailing their arms around and roaring and stuff and showing their teeth. And when you hear that sort of a million times within 25 minutes, it just does your head and it's like, yeah, we get it. You know, well, that and Benny, I mean, there's it's already become a drinking game, isn't it? Drink every time she shouts, <laughs> Benny, my Benny, Benny. Benny. It's like, yeah, he's, he's checked into a hotel called Crossroads Love. Get over it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It just, yeah, things like that just, just drove me mad. And I was thinking there was a lot of strange editing and overdubbing in this as well. It felt, you're right, it felt rushed. Like, yes. not only was the episode going at brain speed, but the production felt rushed. It was as if they had gone back and watched it and thought, oh, we need to explain that a bit better. We need well, we need more expedition, because, <laughs> of course, we need more. Because yeah. there were scenes when clearly they had shot something. So, like, Jodie's got her back to the audience. It's clearly not a shot that's sort of supposed to be in there, I would say. But then they've sort of dubbed some dialogue over it to fill in a gap. Mm-hmm. You know, and I noticed that a few times in this. I don't know about you. I was thinking, well, that... So they've overdubbed something there from a sort of point of view shot that feels out of place. Yes. No, so, yeah. But it feels like they've sort of had to go back and re-edit this to me to try and sort of make more sense. And, I, I, you know, there was a couple of scenes like that where they just felt like they'd sort of felt like they'd had to add expedition in to explain the story a bit because the shots didn't really match with the dialogue. Um, so, yeah, it yeah. did feel a bit rushed to me. No, I agree, mate. Yeah, it was a, a bit strange in that respect. It was almost like uh, we've got loads of story to tell, but we can't do it over a two-parter. So we're just going to have to try and, best we can, cram it all into this one story, especially the last half. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it did have some cool... I mean, it, it kind of borrowed from classic Who to a degree. There was that whole... We've seen this before, you know, with the mysterious planet from Trial of a Time Lord where... Uh, the Doctor and Perry go back to, um, what's it called? Uh, is it Ravalox? Yeah. The planet so, yeah. Ravalox. That turns out to be Earth uh, in the end. And then we've also had this kind of thing before with, remember in The Curse of Fenric, where there's that big blue sea creature thing called the Ancient mm-hmm. One, and he's like a mutated human that's due to pollution. They've mutated into that 
fit into that sort of thing. So yeah, we, we've seen these elements before. They they kind of borrowed little pockets of of classic Who, which is not a bad thing. It, it's kind of cool, but the trouble is, it just didn't have anything. Um, the 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 deaths that occurred weren't really uh, the the payoff wasn't there because we weren't emotionally connected enough to the people that were dying. Mm. So the, the people that did die in the complex near the, at the beginning, you know, when you just saw loads of sort of lights going out on the screen, that, which were people getting killed. Um, you never saw them really. And you never saw them interacting with anybody else. So they were literally just, they may as well have just been, you know, pets or animals or anything, any, you know, there's no, there was no interaction there. You couldn't get emotionally invested in any of it. And the one person that they were hoping that you were, invested in turned out to just be really annoying so like you said the whole benny benny thing and then i'm all right don't worry (laughs) (laughs) you know everyone else that's been killed uh has been a very swift and presumably a very gruesome death by these these things whereas uh old was his name he goes on a little field trip with them but what, yeah, that's what I couldn't work out though. Why? Why did they take him? Like everyone else is getting killed off all quick. But what did they want? Earth? Did they want this elderly man that was attached to a oxygen? I think mask. I mean, yeah, I think they do mention. I think the doctor. I think they. I did mean, I was mention looking it, for but... it today when I was watching it again, but I, I, I probably zoned out a bit. Um, because the thing is, I lose interest in this story once it starts just being lots of people running around trying to get away because. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of yeah. running around, shouting, but not much storytelling. And I just find, I always get bored when stories do that. Like, I'm all for the sort of base under siege thing. But once you've had sort of 10 minutes of just literally, quick, we've got to get out of here. They're here. Run. And all that. Once you've had 10 minutes of that and nothing, no progression in the story or what's going on, I, I just really get bored. And that's why I zoned out, mm-hmm. to be honest. You know, no matter how beautiful the episode looked, and it it really did. Like the, you know, the the space buggy thing that they go out in just looked great. And the dome and the location that they used in Tenerife was lovely. Actually, there's one thing I was disappointed about. So that exterior, um, which is uh, some building in Tenerife. Auditorio de Tenerife. That's it. So that was, you know, it looked a little bit like one of the buildings from Smile, didn't it? But Mm. that's a different place. But somebody posted a picture on um, Twitter of the inside of that. And it looked amazing. So I was really looking forward to seeing that in the episode. I thought, well, there's no way they're going to go all the way there and not show this beautiful building, how beautiful it is inside. No, it was all sets. And I mean, as great as the sets were, um, that just felt like, I don't know, maybe they couldn't film in there. Maybe there was a reason. I don't know. But real shame um, about that. But I mean, yeah, the episode looked great. You know, I just can't fault the sort of production side of things in terms of the CGI and location work and all that. But, um, but yeah, I just found myself getting really bored. I'm like, Oh, for goodness. Cause <laughs> you sort of know when the doctor and that are in peril from these creatures as great as they were, like you said, they look fantastic. There's a couple of good jump scare moments, but they didn't really do anything except stand there and roar. So even in the scenes of peril, when they're running away, there wasn't really any sort of threat, really. I kind of felt like, yeah, there's no, you know what I mean? That's why my attention span just drift off because I thought, well, they're just going to run away from it, aren't they? It's just going to 
thing. Yeah. Um, and there was way too many characters. Oh, I think was, that's yeah. another. I yeah. think that's another reason we couldn't get attached to anyone because you got James Buckley, the chap from In Between, us, haven't you? You know, you think, well, hey, we got James Buckley in this one. He may as well have not been in it. Oh, Look, don't, don't, dude, don't. I mean, what? It, and this uh, happens so often with Doctor Who, doesn't it? They get a really cool guest star. Well, especially recently, anyway, in the last sort of few years, and then they're completely wasted. Like we hardly saw him. He had a silly green wig on. <laughs> you know, his his son was played by a really cool little actor that um, popped up recently in the Dark Materials episode. Fantastic little actor. I don't know what his name is. Uh, Lewin Lloyd. Son. Lewin Lloyd. Yeah, Silas. Wearing another yeah. green wig. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two characters that, if you developed them, get rid of some of the dead wood, develop those two characters. Got a great guest star in there. You could have cared easily about those two, but I didn't, mm-hmm. really. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, mate. I, that's the one word that came into my head when I finished watching it, was that that character, Nevy, by James Buckley, was a complete waste. He had Complete waste. He had one scene near the beginning where he's fixing something, and he says, oh, you know, he's trying to get his lad to pass him the correct tool, and his, nad, his, da, his lad clearly knows more than he does about it. And then, that, and then that's it. The, the rest of the episode, all he's doing is following those guys around. Yeah. And at the end, they get the teleporter working again. And th- that's it. That's at the end of it, it. I thought, yeah. surely that cannot be his only contribution to the, to the story is just that those two, he, he has the, the odd word here and there, but it's intermingled with all the other crap that's going on. So yeah, you've got these two. And I thought, what was the point of the BBC? I mean, they would have had to have paid him more money because he's an established actor and an established star to appear in this. You may as well just got a a fresh actor who you've not seen in hardly anything before. Save yourself a few quid and have that in there. It's like if you're going to use James Buckley as a pull, if you're going to advertise him as a character in the trailer last week, say, right, come and watch next week's episode because James Buckley's in it, then freaking put him in it. Have him do something. This story, in my opinion, would have been had a much larger impact if you did away with the old couple and as they were moving th- as they left the the complex um uh, Nevi's son was the one that was kidnapped yeah because the stakes are a lot higher exactly and and you would have had that a lot you would have been rooting for them a lot more to find uh Nevi's son so just do away with the couple and then have that more emotional impact like are they going to find his son or not? Have they killed, you know, that would have got your heart rate going a lot more. You would have been like, oh no, not the young lad. Please let them not have killed the young lad. You know, yeah, let's hope they find him and stuff. And you'd been re- and you'd be rooting for James Buckley as well, wouldn't yeah, you? Because yeah. you, like you say, he's an established actor. You kind of know, you feel like you know him already anyway. So you're going to be more invested in his story. That's the thing with that old couple. I think a lot of it's down to the actors as well, because she, I mean, he was hardly in it. So I can't really judge Benny particularly. I mean, he was only, only got about sort of 10 lines. Um, but she was so annoying and so atrocious um, in her acting and her performance. It was really hard to care, to be honest, you know, especially when she sacrificed herself. It was just, she was just a terrible, it was a terrible performance. <laughs> Um, you know, and I, I watched it, as I said, I watched it literally the hour before we recorded, I watched it again. So it's fresh in my mind. And yeah, it, she just was, I wouldn't say she ruined it, but 
there was no emotional attachment to that character whatsoever. Um, or Benny. <laughs> so it's, if, if anything, it's become a bit of a joke really because of the way she, my Benny, Benny, Benny. It's just yeah. like, Oh God, you know, it's, that, just, yeah. it's just become a meme. It's, you know, well, that's the thing when, when you're, when your storyline, which is meant to be completely serious has become a meme of itself and hmm. people only recognize because in years to come, when people are talking about orphan 55, they're not going to talk about, the tragedy that was Benny getting kidnapped and, um, and Vilma sacrificing herself to save that. They're not going to talk about it in that way. All mm. they're going to talk about it is remember that daft old bat from orphan <laughs> 55 that just ran around shouting Benny the whole time that um, when it comes to that, you know, you've made a bit of a boo-boo with your character, mate. I can't tell you how many, oh God, when I was watching this episode and it was one scene as well, or a collection of scenes that I thought, this wouldn't have happened on RTD's watch because mm. there was one scene, you know, when they go into the, 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 the carrier, the Jeep carrier thing mm. and they're moving across the planet and stuff. That reminded me of the episode midnight. Yeah. A lot of people said that. Yeah. yeah. But one with one key difference, can you imagine how awful midnight would have been if when David Tennant, cause that whole scene, that whole episode with them stuck in the carrier it's amazing acting. It doesn't rely on visual effects or any cleverness. It's just great script and acting. Can you imagine how bad it would have been if David, uh, David Tennant had broken up the flow of acting just to give us 10 minutes worth of exposition to all the other supporting characters? Yeah. So basically, yeah. right, what was happening, right, is we're on this carrier now, right? And my friend Donna, she told me this, right? And we're heading towards this thing, right? And blah, blah, blah. You would have been like, shut the frick up. What are you doing? And yeah, it's the same. Yeah. They yeah. haven't amended that, have they? I mean, we're still getting way too much exposition, exposition, way too much. Well, it was in that carrier scene that she yeah. kicks off on it again for a few minutes and she's going on and on. And you think, crikey, have you got, last week we praised the Chibbers. You know, we basically said, look, they've obviously taken on board a lot of the feedback and reaction to series 11. That's plain to see. But now it's like, it's like throwing all this exposition back into the plot and stuff. And you just think it, there's much better things you could be doing while, while Jody's given this exposition, I'm sure there are better ways to progress the story than that. It's funny. Cause I, I would assume those are the sort of things when they have their read throughs and the script editing and those are the sort of things they should should be picking up on really is well, do we need this long monologue telling the viewer what's clearly already on screen or, or is there another way to show this you know um it just feels like they haven't ironed out all the little kinks yet mm -hmm. um i mean this i think would have fitted very easily into series 11 i didn't apart from jody who i did think was I, I thought she was good in this in terms of she felt quite strong in places she did feel like she was a bit more you know, at the forefront. So I liked that. But apart from that, this would have fitted straight into series 11, I think, in terms of the sort of whole feel of it. Yeah. If you like. And there was way too many ideas as well. So we had too many characters and there was so much going on in terms of things being thrown in at us. Like you got the relationship with uh, Ryan and wherever that girl come out of nowhere. Then you've got the, the, the girl that's, you know, her mum hasn't, spoken to her or it was her mum there was some reveal there that was thrown in at some point that is so good that I don't even know what it really was <laughs> even though I've watched it twice 
what was it? Her mum didn't talk to her or she, she didn't know it was her mum. I don't know. So, you, you know, and then you've got the monsters and you've got the earth reveal. You, you know, you've got Jodie talking one of the monsters into letting them out of a cage by finding its conscience. You've, oh, I nearly jumped to the monologue at the end, but I'm sure we'll get to that. So I probably shouldn't go too far forward. But do you know what I mean? You've mm-hmm. got everything being thrown in. Mm-hmm. You've got, and some of it's good stuff, you know. There's some great ideas, but you know, Orphan 55, a planet that shouldn't be inhabited, but they're trying to make it habitable and all great stuff. But it just felt so messy to me. You know, it was a bit like too many, too many cooks and everything in the kitchen sink thrown in. And probably like you said, maybe it would have benefited from a two-parter. I'm kind of glad it wasn't because I think mm, yeah. it would have been just lots of running around escaping and stuff like that. But it did feel like there was just, yeah, way too much in there but not enough even then it just couldn't hold my attention really yes yeah it was it did seem a bit crowded to a degree it felt Very. like um if they had done away with the old couple and also done away with either the storyline with Ryan and 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 Bella who he kind of you can tell there's a connection there you know because they have a kiss you have a nice little snog have a towards little snog, the yeah. end so either do away with that or um, so keep the character in, but just do away with the Ryan thing or do away with her trying to take revenge on something to do with what her mum did years ago. Well, I felt that was supposed to be a big twist, like a big <gasps> jaw-dropping moment that just didn't land at all. That's that's how I felt about that when, you know, when that big reveal came up. Um, and here's a question for you. Was Yaz in this episode? <laughs> Seriously, well, was she in it? Nice jumpsuit. I- I cannot, <laughs> I cannot think of anything she did or, or, or even said in this episode. And that's another thing that makes me think this feels like a Series 11 episode. Completely sidelined poor old Yaz, and especially after some really nice development um, from the first two-parter. We both said, didn't we, that Yaz is, well, they've picked up that they need to develop Yaz. Well, she was really good in the first two-part. Again, she, I, was she even in it? I, I'm not even being sarcastic. I genuinely can't think of any scene with her i know she is in it i know she is in it but she didn't do anything did she i mean it was cool because they they they're kind of progressing this arc a little bit more where you can tell that before the story kicks off and they're in the tardis you can tell that the doctor's distracted or she's a bit of a she's got a bit of a mard on and uh you can tell that along with yaz that the the tardis crew are that that I wouldn't say there's friction there, but that you can see that there's the spark of something that's going to develop over the series where those guys are clearly losing patience with the doctor because they're eager to find out more about who she is and exactly where she's from and, and her history and stuff. So there were those nice little tiny moments where you can see Yaz as well is she's, she's starting to get the hump a little bit more with the doctor, especially at the end, at the beginning and at the end. But that's it, unfortunately. That's it for Yaz. And to be honest with you, what more could they have done? It was it was busy enough already. There was so much stuff going on in the story already. If you then got Yaz to start doing stuff, you would have been all over the place. Yeah, I just, I just, and I, I'm really not being sarcastic. I just really feel like I cannot think of anything she got to do in this episode. And it, it's not a criticism of Yasmin Khan or Man, uh, sorry, of um, Mandip's performance. Um, it's 
just that she just wasn't written for it again probably with all the other characters it's probably impossible to think of something to do um for her, to be honest i mean graham got a couple of light nice lines again not really delivered brilliantly huh? he was just comic relief well that's what i mean he got a couple yeah i suppose he was really but yeah because at the at the beginning he's kind of funny isn't he he's like i'm going to go and sit in his chair for three hours then i'm going to yeah. have a drink and i'm going to do that uh, and that's really it these sort of funny little one-liners like in the TARDIS at the beginning is like I should have packed my speedos mm. or don't worry I've already got them on and you know a little bit of comic relief you know to kick the story off and then the only other bit really is when he's worried about um, he's worried about Ryan because Ryan's trapped in the corridors with Bella while this is all kicking off and they're in the linen room which yeah. is actually the, the the secure room and then when he finds him he gives him you know he's and that's it you know these little he doesn't uh, I, really do much else. I kind of feel, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like they're slightly sidelining Graham because um, he did steal the show a little bit in he Series did. 11. Whether, yeah. whether you like it or not, and people can argue to their blue in their face, the majority of people really warmed towards Graham right from episode one. And I feel like he overshadowed the Doctor a bit. And I, I so far in Series 12, I notice he's there, he has one or two little funny quips and he might get, you know, the odd scene with his laser shoes, but he definitely feels like they've sort of not sidelined him, but he's not in it as much. He doesn't get as much to say or do. And I, I can't help but feel, and maybe it's right. Maybe it's rightly so, but I think it's to let the doctor shine a bit more. Cause I, I feel he was slightly overshadowing um, the rest of the characters in series 11. He stood out, mm-hmm. I think as being the better actor as as being the you know the more likable character, so yeah, yep. maybe that's I'm, it. Probably sounds like a criticism. It's I don't mean it like that, but I, I do feel like there's been a conscious decision of, yeah, um, Graham's character is sort of the favourite in the minute. It should be the Doctor, so we need to push her more forward. Which again, yeah, rightly so, but um, it just yeah, I just feel that he is. I know I agree, mate. Yeah, yeah so. push back a little bit. It's like yeah, let the yeah, we need to give these you know Jody something to do, sort of. Yeah, I mean, mm. as a as a result of that, that's not a bad thing because one of the things mm. that is good about this story, and was very good about Spyfall, was that they've clearly tweaked the writing for Jody, and she and um, uh, Jodie Whittaker in her performance is better, in my opinion, than Series Eleven. She does have a little bit more of a sterner. Um, way about her and she's a bit more there there is that humor there she has these funny little moments but they're they're not as sort of in your face um immature like as we as that we saw in series 11 and she does have a bit more she can stand on her own a little bit more in this one mm-hmm. so so as a result of that they have pushed her character forward a bit more by i guess by reigning graham in a little bit they are making um, a yeah. They, she is standing on her own a bit more. They are giving her. They're sort of separate, separating her from the the fam mm-hmm. a lot more, which is a good thing actually. I've noticed that even even in these three episodes, there she's like, oh, I'll go off and have a wander, and so she is being a bit more independent. And I think that is absolutely needed in terms of her doctor to sort of shine a bit more. Um, and her delivery is getting better, definitely. I really feel sorry for her at times, though. Like you said about the whole chunk of dark, she's <laughs> it's sort of out of nowhere, isn't it? You get it seems like we get to a certain point in the episode where they feel like they've got to explain it quickly because there's only ten minutes left. Mm-hmm. So they just give yeah. her a whole chunk <laughs> of stuff that she's got to deliver, and it's almost as if she says it 
this, like she just wants to get it done. Like, oh god, I've got this. I've got to do this bit now. Uh, I'll say it as quick as I can, then it'll be over. Because she does <laughs> a lot of out of breath acting. I, I've noticed. There's a lot of huh, it's suspenseful, and the you know there's a lot of this going <laughs> yeah. on. And um, I really, I do feel for Jodie. I really do actually, because she's definitely sort of toned her performance. You can f- see that she's find, finding her feet and she's finding the Doctor's character and all that. But um, but she's still getting given some hefty exposition and i you know still the sort of odd silly line is creeping in and there's sometimes i just feel sorry for her having to try and find a way to deliver certain bits of dialogue that are quite frankly cringeworthy you know yes but yeah yeah, she's i I did you know having said that i did think she was good in this episode considering what she was given um i thought her performance was good I, i feel that she's becoming stronger in She's taking charge a bit more. Even when she said, um, I'm the doctor and you're a bit too hands-on, stuff like that. I thought, yeah, that's a bit more like that, a bit more the doctor sort of putting someone in their place. I like that. I like seeing this side of the doctor a bit more. So I don't have any complaints about Jodie this week. I do have complaints about some of the dialogue and script that she was given, but um, no complaints in her performance. No. And I think that's also a a testament to her performance as well in that Mm. we've seen it so many times before with previous doctors where the script hasn't been that great and the overall story might not be amazing, Mm. but when you've got a strong leading character as the doctor, they can kind of carry it a little bit. If you're, if you're kind of sucked in by their performance, you can, you can kind of go along with it and forgive some of the shortcomings in the script and the story because their performance is so good. We saw it time and time again with Matt Smith's doctor Mm -hmm. where some of them weren't particularly strong, but you thought, crikey, doesn't really matter too much because Matt Smith was on fire and it was just a joy to watch him. So I, I feel like she's she's going more that way. Yeah. Where unfortunately for her, that the script might not be brilliant for her. And it does ha- it she does have to deal with these exposition scenes and a bit sort of techno jargon here and there. Um, but I do feel like that's going to help her. I feel like as she goes forward and I, I think I'm right in saying that we're definitely going to get a series 13 because I think you're yeah, already working on that. So. Now. Yeah. yeah. So I think by the time we get round to series 13, she will be like rocking and rolling. Like even if we did have a scene of exposition, the way that she delivers it maybe, or she does have a, you know, an episode with some poor writing, it won't matter as much as it does now because she will just be, you know, carrying the story along. So I think that's good for her. We're also, again, not seeing so much of the Sonic, which is good. Because in series eleven, it was out of her pocket every every other minute. It felt like. Yeah, I tell you what, though, I would like to. I I would like the psychic paper to be given a rest. I think that that joke has got <laughs> really? really. Yeah, <laughs> I think that has been laboured to death. That blimmin' psychic paper. She got got it out in this, and yeah, I'd like to see that and the Sonic given a major rest. Uh, yeah, you, it didn't get much use in this, thank goodness. But even though it wasn't in it a lot. I still wrote the note of what would the doctor do without it? Cause she still uses it to wrap everything up. So she still uses it, I think to teleport the end and she do something to, I don't know. There was a couple of scenes where I, th- I thought to myself, blimmin' neck, what would she do without that blimmin' Sonic? <laughs> but it wasn't, it was hardly used in this episode, but I still thought it that and the psychic paper. I'm just a bit, I don't know. I think they've just been used a bit too much personally, but, but yeah, it's good. I mean, I definitely toned it down. It was nice not to see it being waved around like a magic wand, um, in this episode, that was for sure. 
Absolutely, mate. Yeah, because yeah. that was one of the criticisms, wasn't it, from Series 11? Was... Oh, it was getting really annoying. Yeah. And I know Matt did the same. So don't, you know, don't come at me with that. I know he did. It was That was annoying as well. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And that was one of the things that was... I can't remember which series it was now, but if you go back to one of the Tenant series, I think it was Series 5. No, 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 of course it wasn't. I think it was Series 2 when there was a behind-the-scenes thing in one of the Doctor Who Confidential episodes. And David Tennant had a real problem with the use of the Sonic so much because I think he mm. said to Russell T. Davis, look, we're using it too much. It's becoming a crutch. We can't just have the Sonic show up and save the day every episode. Mm. So I think based on that, they they really pulled it back and he doesn't use it that much really compared to the other Doctors in the modern era. Yeah, um, I mean, so. Matt, Matt's probably the worst. I mean, Matt mm-hmm. Smith used it all the time. Um, but Jodie in series 11, yeah, it was just like, and also, I don't know, something about the way she just waved around. It was just getting a bit, bit silly, I think. But, um, just, um, before we move on, while I remember, did you notice the tunnel? (laughs) It's that same blimmin' tunnel again, uh, that they've used. Um, so they used it in the boneless episode, didn't they? Where Capaldi appears out the TARDIS and I name you the boneless. It was used (laughs) in that and it was used in Torchwood, I think. And, uh, another Doctor Who episode from the modern series that I've forgotten. I think it's been used about four or five times that that tunnel, and it looks it looks very dark and stinky. Doesn't it? I always think, God, oh, I bet they arrived on set and they're like, oh, this blooming tunnel again. Dark and stinky. Um, yeah, because yeah, like you know, they went from that lovely Tenerife location to that stinky old tunnel in Cardiff or wherever it is that they keep using. But yeah, I, know, I, don't, I mean, you must have noticed that. You must have thought, oh, it's that tunnel again. Oh yeah, it's instantly instantly yeah. recognizable yeah um okay what what did you think to the reuse of this um idea that the 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 planet they were on turned out to be earth i know we've I mentioned earlier we've seen it before slightly but what do you think to that idea and the idea that um that the the planet has evolved into this state because of uh, presumably from what the doctor was getting at from our poor choices as we've inhabited the planet over the centuries and because of the choices we've made, it's led to the planet being in its current state. And then that's led to humans having to evolve or devolve, whichever way you want to look at it into the, um, into those monsters, uh, the dregs. What, what the did dregs. you think? What did you think to that, that concept then? Cause it's not new, but the way it was executed here. Yeah. I think, um, see, I, I, I get why they did it especially in the times we're living in. I think, yeah, okay, bring, that's an important message to do in this day and age. So even though it has been done before in Doctor Who, I suppose it's a good time to to do it. What I felt was that it wasn't done well though, because when we got the, let's get to it, when we got to the big speech at the end, the big <laughs> preachy speech, and I'm sorry, I'm going to call it that because that's what I felt it was, was a big preachy speech at the end, a lovely speech, but it was, she may as well have looked straight to camera and said it to us. Um, I felt that speech, which is very important and a lovely speech, was just the whole reason for the episode. And it could have been handled a lot better because it felt to me like Earth reveal. This is what you're going to become. Take a look around you. All good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we just have to have it hammered home with that speech at the <laughs> end. And I thought, well, it's a great message. And yeah, I know why you're doing it, but... I don't know. It felt very clunky. I thought it was, it, it just made me feel when the episode ended, I thought, Oh, so basically that whole episode was just gearing up to deliver that message at the end. That's all it was about. You may, you may as well just cut to that end few minutes. Cause that's what the episode's all about, isn't it? 
So I thought it was a good message and I get why they did it and it's absolutely needed at the moment, but I just don't think it was done particularly well. Um, I thought I'd just, yeah, it felt preachy, preachy to me, certainly that speech at the end. It, I just felt there was better ways of delivering it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I kind of agree. I thought, um, to be honest with you, the speech in itself didn't really bother me, to be honest with you. I wasn't really too, because if this was one of the first times that Dr. Who had started giving kind of not political, but sort of environmental or socialist kind of messages within its, you know, I would have been like, well, where's this come from? But mm. I kind of used to it now. If you think back to the Pertwee year as well, especially that had a quite a bit of, it was very, um, it mirrored a lot of what was going on in terms of the world at that time. Some of the storylines are very political or very, uh, environmental so to speak so we've had it quite a lot but i can see why why people are having a problem with it because it does feel very like like you said we've had the story and that's in that's enough as a kind of uh, as a symbol if you like a bit of symbolism like look this is what's going to happen to the earth if you don't sort your act out um, but i think the uh, the problem with that people are having is it was we they didn't need to have it shoved in their face well, I think it so could have much. been easily solved in the edit because it just felt like she was talking directly to the viewer. Whereas if you had to just sort of cut it that she was, cause she's supposed to be talking to, you know, Graham and Yaz and that makes sense. She's talking to them. So if you think back to Pertwee uh, in the Dalek story, whatever, I can't think which one, what the name of it, but when he says to Joe, doesn't he, or he says to the people on the planet, don't, when you tell this story, don't glamorize war. Yes. You know, tell yeah. about the people we lost. It's really nice, subtle, but he's talking to the character, but you know, we're still taking in the, the message behind what he's saying. I think with this speech, like you said, nothing wrong with the words she's saying, but she, it feels like she's talking directly at the camera. Like you've got to do something. This is your world. Take control. All great words, but it, it just feels like it's being sledgehammered at you, the viewer. Whereas if she'd been saying it to sort of Graham and Yaz, characters that we've sort of grown to care about, mm -hmm. you know, she's saying, you know, Graham, this is an alternative universe. You know, there are lots of things, but Yaz, we could, you know, we it's, don't get upset. We can change things. You know, you're still getting the message, but it doesn't feel like it's being, you know, thrown at the you, the viewer, like, are oh, you understanding? You know, it's like... I just felt felt it was yeah it was sort of handled wrong. Um, a great message, great speech, but you know it just felt like it was talking directly to the camera, and it took me out of the story a bit. It just it just didn't work for me personally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like it could have done. It almost felt like it almost felt like those old Saturday morning cartoons as well. Remember things like He Man, he -Man. and Marshall he -Man, Bravestar yeah. and those yeah, sort of things yeah. where you'd have the episode. And then at the end, you'd have that little bit like, so remember, kids, when you're faced with a problem, always make sure you go and talk to your friend and iron out your differences and blah, blah, blah. It, it had that kind of thing where you've had the story, you've had everything, because they put it in right at the end. Mm. It was almost like you've had your story and you've gone through it all, but just in case you forgot, make sure <laughs> that you do that sort of thing. So I, I know exactly what you mean. And I, that was a big problem with everybody. So mm. you said earlier on that Twitter exploded with people being divided over this story and stuff. And that was one of the main things that kept coming up over and over again was that it was like, like you said, the words are great. It's a great message, but I just don't want to be preached when I'm trying to enjoy an episode of Doctor Who. I, I get the message. 
And it's, yeah. a, you know, it's important, but I just don't want to be, uh, you know, it, it felt a bit preachy in some people's eyes. Like I said, I didn't particularly have that much of a problem with it. I didn't mind it too much, but I can certainly see why people wouldn't appreciate it too much. Mm. I probably sound like I'm more angry about them. I'm so, yeah, it didn't, it didn't really bother me. I just, when it's, if anything, it's, it undermined the message to me, if anything, because I kind of thought just the way it was delivered, I thought people are just, this is just, you know, this is just going to fuel all those people that hate all the sort of, um, uh, what's the word, the woke stuff and all the, you know, all the preaching that we've had, you know, <laughs> um, they're going to just lap this up. They're going to absolutely hate it. So if anything, I think it was more that I didn't, didn't dislike it myself in that sense. I just felt like this is just, yeah, this is just exactly what people have been moaning about. You're kind of fueling the fire doing it this way. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, um, I keep thinking of Jerry Springer now when he turns to the camera, he's like, take care of yourselves <laughs> and each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. what I mean, really. It didn't personally didn't sort of, I didn't hate the speech, but I just felt like, yeah, it was kind of fueling those people that have been saying Doctor Who's become preachy. Indeed, mate. Yes. A tad on the preachy side, but yeah. It's not the first time we've seen it in Who. I think it's just the first time it's been that direct in, <laughs> in your face. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, and um, uh, just a couple of... Let's run through a couple of characters. We spoke about most of the characters, but um, mm. the uh, the character Bella, then, we haven't touched on her very much, just quickly. Uh, a worthwhile inclusion into the story, or was she a little bit like me? What was she there for? <laughs> Um, genuinely, which one was Bella? She was the love interest for Ryan. She's the, oh, for the Ryan. she's the oh, girl the that, that pulled the gun. Yeah. So it was her mum that was like head of security or something, or one of the, the bosses there. That's it. And she apparently didn't give yeah. her a card or something. Yeah. So apparently her <laughs> mum had kind of abandoned her younger in, in her younger years to go off and build this, um, what's the place called? Uh, the, the tranquility spa. Mm. Um, so she was sort of, she was going to blow the place up as revenge basically. And that's right. She made a bomb. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to be fair, I did, I did like the scenes between her and Ryan. Uh, I Even thought, the thumb um, sucking little, little uh, bit. <laughs> I didn't mind that to be fair. I, there was, yeah, the, the stuff at the start, you know, all the silliness with, um, him having hallucinations about bats and thumb sucking and all that. It was kind of funny, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I didn't think she was too bad. As I said, I, I genuinely, I mean, the fact I didn't even know her name after watching it twice kind of probably says it all. But um, but I like the stuff of her, Ryan. I mean, it, it was kind of sweet. I mean, something like that, considering everything else that was going on, could have felt a bit shoehorned in. Um, you'd sort of be thinking like, oh, love interest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I thought they, they worked quite well together. Um, the only bit that sticks in my mind as being awkward and this is probably more down to the pacing, was when they were on the the dune buggy thing and they start having a conversation about both having dead mums and then the doctor sits in between them and then Yaz yes. uh, says, Yaz starts getting a bit, what are you talking about, Ryan? Gets a bit humpy. Yeah, I was confused yeah. by that bit because so far Yaz hasn't showed any kind of romantic interest in Ryan. Exactly. And vice versa, really. And uh, this was the first time that you saw Yaz get a little bit. She wasn't. She didn't have a rose moment, but she had like a no. bit of a. Like, hold on a minute. Who's this girl that's just turned up and is now? 
knows yeah. about it. So I was, I was confused as to why she was she doing that because she does have feelings for Ryan and she's this is a jealous thing, or is she doing it because it's just somebody that's going to encroach on the fam and the group, and she's yeah. happy with how it is at the moment. She doesn't want another. No, I think they're going down because don't forget, Yaz wouldn't give uh, her sister Ryan's number. So I have a feeling maybe they're going down this as a little bit of a spark between those two, I, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Because in the so, last, no, sorry, just very quickly, in yeah. the last series, there was kind of a thing between Yaz and the Doctor. Well, there was that loving stare. Yeah, that was a, I, I, don't, I don't know whether we should read into that or not, but it, it was yeah. definitely a moment, wasn't it? It was, it was a definitely. moment, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, I can't, what, I'm just What confused. is going on in that TARDIS, the TARDIS love box? Yeah, the, the love <laughs> box. Having, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know, but just going back to Bella, I didn't think, uh, I think she's a bit of a forgettable character, but I think she worked all right alongside right, um, right. Ryan. But uh, yeah, I just, I just forgot her, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Even with the big reveal. Yeah. No, I read you. Gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've spoken about uh, Nevi and his son Silas. Massive wasted. Totally wasted. Opportunity. And the young lad, Lewin Lloyd, really good little actor as well. Um, you, I, I think your idea about having him kidnapped would have been cracking, actually. Genuinely, that just thinking about that now makes so much more sense. Um, really does. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah, just yep. wasted both of them. Really, two, two could have been two really nice characters there, but there wasn't even any character really, was there? Apart from that sort of real basic father and son, sort of. Because at one point Ryan says, "Oh, I bet you did help him." Really, there's that nice moment there, and then it's that's it, really, isn't it? There's yeah. no character development for either of those two. It's quite cookie cutter. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then we've got the old couple we've spoken about, Vilma and oh. Benny. Benny, Benny. She was terrible. She was. <laughs> Who is that actress? She really was. She's got to yeah. be one of the worst. Julia Foster. Dreadful. Sorry, Julia. But yeah. dreadful performance. Um, I think she <laughs> I think she was really trying hard, just trying too hard, really. I'm right. afraid. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, no I, I did, yeah. didn't think it was a good performance from her. Benny, for what little he was given was all right i suppose because i did at the start when yaz turns up he's just about to get the ring out to propose <laughs> in the and yaz says and he's i did it did kind of make me laugh the way he went oh it's <laughs> like you've ruined the moment so th- there might have been potential to get to like benny had we seen a bit more of him yes. i'll tell you who i would have loved to have seen <laughs> as that old couple right or at least the equivalent of do you remember waiting for god the the sitcom oh yeah yep um, now, what was that brilliant actress's name? Now, if you got those two, I think one of them was was actually in the running to be the Doctor at one point. Ah, oh, what? The, I'm just going to quickly Google it because I can't. I'm never going to remember their names. But do you know the two I mean? That lovely old couple that were in that sitcom that ran for years. Yeah, it was um, uh, Stephanie Michael Cole Atkin. and Graham no. Crowd Graham Crowden. I think. I think Graham? he was tipped to be the Doctor. Yeah, he's um. Oh he's yes, also, yeah. it's him, isn't it? It's Tom, Tom and Diana. Yeah. Yep. Tom and Diana. That's it. Um, was he Caldeed or whatever his name is from Nymon as well? Or am I getting my things muddled? Oh, um, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, he was also in that. That now they were in that sitcom. They were just a really lovable old couple that had a good bit of humour and stuff. Imagine those two likable characters in that. <laughs> and I think you've got yeah. a totally different dynamic. And I think suddenly the story starts to work. Because I would, if I thought those two were in danger, I would genuinely care about them because 
there's you know I don't know just different caliber of actor really but yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah that's a, that that would have been nice maybe somebody could do like a mashup of Waiting for God and this <laughs> and it would be great <laughs> maybe maybe but yeah. yeah they're not impressed with those what about old hyphen three then we haven't mentioned her have we that we mentioned that once that's funny yeah. a lot of people comparing her to the character from Spaceballs. Um, the film oh the John um, Candy character uh, yeah, yeah which I can absolutely see is yeah. very very similar yeah um, um, I don't know very really. pantomime performance wasn't it yeah very I think she's meant very to be though very silly and quirky yeah I didn't what? mind it sound like I'm criticising it I thought it was alright but uh, yeah very only because it reminds me of the McCoy era a little bit you know when you get like sort of Ken Dodd popping up and <laughs> welcome welcome a thousand well all that sort of silliness over the top and uh, I, I thought it was along that sort of line so I didn't really mind it I thought she was okay but again a bit wasted though could have got to like her but I didn't really yeah. feel anything when she got killed which I think we probably should have done no Regia, I think she's meant to be that kind of sort of hidey high yeah, uh, Butlin's kind of cheesy person. I think she was she was meant to be that pantomime sort of thing, but mm. just quite well, like a lot of things in this episode, unfortunately, it's a bit forgettable. Very, but quickly. she should have been a good character, I think. There was definitely, I mean, those three characters, I think, had the most sort of room for development. So mm-hmm. her, Nevi, and what was the kid called? You know, and his son. Silas, there was def- yeah. definitely a bit of room for some good characters there that just didn't get developed at all. Mm-hmm. And then we had, uh, last week or the week before, we said that some guest actors had been announced. This was alongside mm. Lenny Henry and stuff. And one of them was Laura Fraser. We thought, you know, kind of a recognisable face, if you like. Um, oh, was that her, was it? Uh, she played the character Kane. She was the mum, Bella's mum, the one that w- w- didn't want to take any kind of advice from anybody. And Oh, yeah, she's yeah. very hard-edged. I didn't even realise that was her. Yeah, Laura Fraser, yeah. Yeah, that was wow. her. Um, oh, my goodness. So she was, I could see there was a bit of potential there, really. She was yeah. She was okay, but again, because there was so much going on, it, it, it made it difficult to find time to, to be, be invested in her character. She just came across as a bit of a hard-ass all the time, and... She, she kind of made good at the end. She turned. We thought she was dead, and then she turns up at the end, and yeah. she has a bit of a moment with with Bella and stuff. And you think, oh, it's nice, but everything leading up to that point, it was kind of yeah. She was okay. She was she was needed to be there for that for as that kind of to fill in with with that plot device. But other than that, she's a bit one sided. I thought. Yeah, very. Could have been a lot more between her and the Doctor, couldn't there? Because there was that good moment. Um, when she first meets the Doctor, there's an instant friction. Um, but that's never really played up upon. Uh, but yeah, gosh, I didn't even realise that was one of the guest actors. I mean, that's bad, yeah. isn't it? Just, yeah. 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 And then there was a young lad who was working with her. I think his name was Vorm. He's the one that goes off early to try and kill some of the, the dregs and stuff. And he ends up getting killed anyway. And Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't too bad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we've spoken about the companions, spoken about Jody. Yeah, I thought Totem was okay this week. It was nice to see him getting a bit of love interest, and he did the sort of comedy bit fairly well, you know, when he's got the the some sucking and <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, I thought he was all right, Totem, this week. And Mandip, I'm sad, sad to say, got left behind. Bradley was comic relief, as you said, but still good. And yeah, I thought Jody was sort of strong this week. So the, the main sort of cast with what they were given, I think, were good. 
just a sort of supporting cast, I think, really yeah. let it down. I didn't get given any character developments. Yeah, true, man. Mm. True. Um, yeah, and also um, uh, it was it was okay that they gave Ryan a little bit of a showcase this week because Graham's normally the one that shines through, I suppose. And mm-hmm. So I think, but I think between Ryan and Yaz, they're getting their own uh, progression this series, which is good. But I'm I'm more interested in Yaz more than any of them at the moment. I think she's something's happening there with Yaz. I think we're going to see a bit of a. I, I think by the end of, I think I called this last week. I think by the end of series 12, someone's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Whether they get killed, properly killed, or if they get Doctor Who killed, which means <laughs> they're off in another bubble dimension or a parallel universe or something. But I think one of them's going to end up getting the chop. I, I get that feeling too. Um, I also didn't have a problem with the alternative Earth thing that a lot of people have kicked off about because we've seen a few versions of earth and people were saying how can this be earth and you know i i that i don't see that being a problem this being an alternative like the doctor says at the end you know this is just one of many possibilities i I don't know quite why people have gone up in arms about that i don't know maybe there's more to it but i didn't really have a problem with that yeah okay didn't hear much in a way of decent music this week i can't remember any themes that stuck you know that stuck in my head it was quite low key which is not a bad thing in a way but yeah, yeah I, I did think actually that there was nothing at all that stood out music wise which can be a good thing sometimes because it means it's just in the background emphasizing things maybe that's the case with this one i don't know but mm. yeah nothing really stood out from from the music this week yeah. good or bad it was just kind of there i think yeah a bit like a bit like a lot of the characters <laughs> <laughs> okay am i is there anything that You've got in your notes or anything you want to mention before we give our scores? No, no, I think I'm good. No, you're good. Uh, I think it's me to go first. Oh, is it me or you? No, it's me to go first. Uh, I am going to go middle of the road with this, bud. I'm going to give this a 5.5. Oh, bang, snap. Same. <laughs> have you as well? <laughs> yeah, 5.5, yeah. It's, um, it might have reached a 6 if it wasn't for the annoying woman because I think there was some good stuff, good ideas, you know, plenty of action, although a lot of it was just running around, but it wasn't bad. I mean, I suppose it's fairly watchable and whatever, but yeah, just five or five. It's a very middle of the road, just let down by so many things. I think, I think there was yeah. a good story in there somewhere. Just, I think it just got lost. Yeah. Overall, there was a, there was some good stuff in there, but it just got dragged down a little bit by some sort of over, not convoluted, but just too much going on to achieve what it wanted to achieve. And mm. character writing wasn't really there and stakes weren't high enough. And The but, character thing's the biggest thing for me. It might have benefited, benefited from a two-parter. I don't think it was strong enough for a two-parter, but in terms of the characters, I think that's the thing that really let it down for me. Mm-hmm. If you don't care about the people that are on the run getting picked off, then you lose interest pretty quick. So... Yeah, I think that's the biggest fault with it from my personal point of view anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, good shout. Uh, Okay, we had uh, quite a fair few reviews in. We're going to kick off with our audio reviews as always. Uh, This is uh, Martin Arnold. So I thought Orphan 55 was really enjoyable. I thought it had a great pace. Um, The action was pretty constant. The humour at the start was nice. I thought that was a nice change of pace from the uh, the dramatic stuff of of the season opener. And I think it really worked. Um, 
yes, it was a little heavy-handed right at the end, but you know what? I don't have a problem with that, and I don't think anyone else should have a problem with that either, with all due respect. I think it's important to get these messages out, because this is serious, and this is drama and fiction, and especially science fiction has a proud tradition of, you know, tackling these issues. Um, you know, Malcolm Hulk was writing Invasion of the Dinosaurs with precisely the same message back in the 70s, so why should it be any different now? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought everyone was, you know, um, really enjoyable to watch. Uh, there were some great interactions, and uh, I give this an 8 out of 10. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the monsters were great, um, and the twist was... It is a little, little bit of a cheesy twist. Oh, it's Earth. Oh, okay, that's fine. But I liked it, and that's, you know, that's all I have to say. Cheers. Martin, Martin liked it. Yeah. yeah, he's on this side of like. He's on the like side. Yeah. A thumbs up. Good. No, nice one, Martin. Glad you enjoyed it, mate. Thank you very much for your review. Let's crack on. It's our usual reviewer. This is Sammy from Dan Under. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Orphan 55. Well, I like the old couple. Edheim, you disappoint me. You can write better than this. Some of these elements have even appeared in previous stories. Executed better. Doctor Who has been political since 1963 and has had speeches about political issues said by the Doctor. This one wasn't even woven into the plot. It was a lecture. I don't need a lecture on global warming. My country is burning. It's on my radio, in the newspapers and on the news. In other parts of Australia, people are choking on smoke. I want an escape, not for Doctor Who to shove it in front of my face. Sorry. The rest was meh. I give it four dregs out of ten. Next week looks good, though. See ya. Oh, dearie me. Sammy, oh dear. Sammy not impressed with the... She wants to escape into the world of Doctor Who. Now, she does make a good, really good point there, because that's the thing, isn't it? Like... It's great for Doctor Who to explore these things and, and, and tell us about them and highlight them. But then there is that side of it, isn't it? That perhaps, like, you know, like Sammy said, you tune in because, you, you know, you see it on the news every day and oh, all this stuff that's going on and you want to escape from it. So, yeah, it's, a, you know, they, the balance that needs to be sort of to strike the balance between that is difficult. So I really do get what she means there. And I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer to that, but I totally get what she means. I think if you have the odd episode like this, that's got a message, it's fine. And maybe this is what a lot of people aren't liking at the minute. Perhaps it feels like everything is being thrown, you know, like everything's got a message. Like, yeah. so I, I totally get what Sammy means. You know, sometimes you do want to watch something to sort of escape from, things that are going on in the world so makes a very good point there yes indeedy thank you very much sammy and i hope you're doing okay over there down under you're not getting too caught up in uh, what's going on over there but thank you very much uh this is i'm i can't remember if this if craig is a new audio or if he's sent in an audio review before if you have craig i'm very sorry but if not then i'm right in my assumption this is craig bryce with his first audio review Hi guys, hope you're well. So, Orphan 55, what a shame. Looks like we've gone back a step again, back to Series 11. I got 7th Doctor story vibes from this one, with the setting and the location, but it just wasn't executed well at all. And the side characters, ugh. 
I found pecs from Paradise Towers less irritating than these guys. And I'll be going for parental issues this series. We've had it with Daniel Barton's mum in Spyfall, and now we've got Rebella in this one. The dregs, they looked okay, I thought they worked, but everyone's comparing them. If I was going to compare them to anything, I'd say they were a cross between the albino xenomorph from Alien Resurrection and the hoiks from Love and Monsters. And Jodie Whittaker, I'm just not on board with her at all. I can never decide if it's her acting, the way she's delivering her lines, or, or just what's written for her. In total, I'll give it a 5 out of 10. Very disappointing. I feel like a 7th Doctor story now after that. <laughs> Delta and the Bannerman it is. See you later, guys. Bye. <laughs> Delta yeah, and the Bannerman. Pex, Pex lives. That's all I'm going to say. Pex is alive and well. Oh, Pex. In a swimming yeah. pool. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, dear. I do believe that's the first time review. So, yeah, thanks for that. I always love it when we get a newbie. Yeah, cheers, Craig. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on. Lewis Palmer. Benny, Benny, Benny. <laughs> yes, hello, guys. So, um, all from 55. It was fine, wasn't it? It was just a bit of fun little run around, fairly standard Doctor Who fluff, really. Just stuff I'd seen before. Um, I don't think it was as bad as the online discourse around it made out. It, this, you know, this engineered quite a visceral and kind of toxic reaction. Um,. But yeah, for me, it was just one of those sort of forgettable little episodes that I probably won't rewatch anytime soon, but I'm glad it exists because the drags were a cool design and the message was very, very important, especially considering what's going on in the world right now. However, subtly it was done is another story, but you know, plus it gave us all the Benny memes, which I'm enjoying very much. So uh, yes, there's that. But uh, yeah, hopefully next week I'll have a bit more to say about it be a bit more enthused about it next week i hope um see you next time guys uh, Benny and the jets and the j- <laughs> cheers uh, lewis ah oh, cheers for that lewis uh let's move on to this is uh you would have recognized this guy from the last couple of weeks ian from france orphan 55 an enigmatic title for a pretty straightforward sci-fi horror romp let's get the negatives out of the way first because it won't take long. I didn't like the thumb sucking, and there's the odd moment of slapstick that always gets my goat. Slapstick truly is the lowest form of humour aimed squarely at children and buffoons. And maybe buffoonish children, who knows? One of the aliens had terrible makeup design, reminiscent of the cat people from Survival, the true Nadia of Classic Who. Done for the negatives. Everything else, great. The music was fabulous, spine-tingling in places, and brought to mind classic John Carpenter horror fodder from the early 80s. I love the line, If you can hear this, you shouldn't be here. Proper ominous. And the monsters, the monsters, that's more like it, people. Scare the living S out of the kiddiewinkles, just like in the good old days. And didn't they look like the polymorph from Red Dwarf? Or maybe that's just me being a bit of a smeghead. And I didn't know the Doc could do a Vulcan mind meld. How strange. I suppose one slight criticism could be that the message was hammered home with all the subtlety of an Al Gore documentary. But you know, that's a nitpick. Overall, 
thoroughly enjoyed this one. Eight yawning toothy mandibles out of ten. C'est bien, c'est saison jusqu'à maintenant, pas vrai? Alors, ça suffit, je partis. À bientôt, mes amis. Crikey, Ian. My word, he likes the music now. He's made me think we've missed something there. Yeah, I just thought that. I thought if we missed a key bit oh, of... We missed... Yeah, the, yeah did, was it so good that it just was fitted in perfectly? I don't know. Hmm. It also sounded... I don't know why. I had visions of him recording that about three in the morning around a campfire. It was very <laughs> quiet. <laughs> yes. We loved it. Cheers, Ian. Yeah, thank you very much for that, mate. Uh, right, last two. Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary and Adam of the Big Blue Box Podcast. It's nice to talk to you guys again, I guess, if that's what you call this. Um, but Orphan 55, episode 3, written by Ed Heim. I went into this episode with a lot of hype, because I thought it takes you away from last series with Ed Heim at the helm. It was a very good story, and this story... Ooh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I want to call it Benny the Musical. Benny! Oh my god, that woman. But apart from that... Uh, the, the the performances were okay. It's difficult. I think Jodie's definitely settled in the role for me now. Uh, it's just oh, so difficult uh, because the story's a bit muddled. And although I, I, I loved the message of global warming, I thought overall it was good. I Until the speech at the end, which I thought was a bit pandery. Like, that's when you... It was a bit pandering. And then the episode ended with a shot of the creature. And it was like, you could, you could say the panel. Or it felt very pantomime and cheesy. It wasn't for me, the ending... Um, Lemon, I'll give it Benny out of 10, which equates to a 5. See you guys whenever I next see you, hopefully next week. <laughs> Cheers, Alex. Alex has been following us for a while. He must be about 55 now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex has been one of our long time, long, long time reviewers. It's great to have you back, Alex. And yes, I think you're, you echo a lot of people's thoughts on this one, mate. Bloody Benny. Yeah. Uh, last one. <laughs> this is Matt Steele. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you guys are well. Sorry for not getting my review of Spyfall in on time last week, but it would have been a 9.5 out of 10. Absolutely fantastic. Orphan 55. I really like Graham from the start in this. He behaves exactly like any Brit you'd find on an all-inclusive holiday. The costume and makeup for Hyphen with a 3 looks like something from CBeebies. The dregs look fantastic and are terrifying, although a little underused after the first 10 minutes. The whole Ryan-Bella romance thing is boring and unbelievably awkward. I didn't empathise with the supporting cast at all, so when they dropped like flies, I didn't care. Doctor Who has always had a say on current issues and politics, however, in my opinion, it's always been handled subtly. Unlike Orphan 55, with Ed Heim putting it so bluntly it takes you out of the story. Overall, Orphan 55 had some good moments, however, treating the audience as idiots and bluntly having their say on current Id- events drowns out the few highlights in this story. Feels more like one step forward and ten steps back. I'm sorry to say I didn't enjoy this one however much I wanted to, even on a second watch. I rate this one four out of ten. Sorry for the bad review, but that's just the way I feel. I'll see you guys again. Four. A four. Not good, Matt. Benny! <laughs> Crikey Moses. Yeah. A bit of divided opinion there, as expected. Yeah. Uh, got some high scores and some low ones. But uh, thank you nonetheless to you guys for sending in your audio clips. It's great playing those out on the show. We had some other reviews and we had a couple in on email, which is good. Email? Uh, yes, we had Daniel uh, Witterbottom Stanley, who said, just when I thought the series couldn't get any worse, Chibnall's gives us all from 55. <laughs> oh dear an absolute travesty of an episode which takes a massive steaming poo on 25 years of law oh please excuse my strong language i'm just so ruddy mad i can't read it all out these are quite long uh, it goes on to say the acting was poor especially 
Richard Dinsdale, he was normally so good. The script was terrible <laughs> and the whole Benny thing. Uh, and then he finishes off by saying, I'm done. Doctor Who is dead to me. Oh, no. I won't be watching until... Uh, until... Uh, it says until next Sunday. Oh, um, I thought he was going to say until the Doctor regenerates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, not not a fan is old Daniel. Uh, Luke Malloy, uh, I'm in the opposite camp. Uh where Spyfall did nothing for me, but Orphan 55 I enjoyed. Oh. Uh, this was Paradise Towers meets The Curse of Fenric meets The Hills of Have Eyes. Uh, Good-looking good looking monsters, silly plots, and loads of death. Yes, as the script was a bit more shambolic than Benny's wedding proposal, uh, and the editing was a bit choppy. Uh, mm. But, however, quite liked it. Gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, Geraint Jones says after watching this on broadcast I thought it was an amazing episode and came away with a possible new favourite uh, I was surprised looking at Twitter afterwards to see that some didn't like it uh, I thought it was scary had great monsters Jodie was amazing and I felt like she took leadership and it had a great message at the end goes on to give it a 9 out of 10 oh. good uh, thank you very much guys I'm going to rattle through there's loads on Twitter I'm just going to rattle through any, any faxes uh, no facsimiles no. to this week. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rattle through a few of these tweets because we had so many. Uh, Dav Ross said, found it a bit flat, to be fair. Nothing original. Four out of ten. Uh, Asmat Mahmood, I thought the episode was an absolute mess. So many plot twists, it became very hard to take anything seriously. Uh, gives it a four. Uh, Jamie Aspinall, I'm, uh, I'm sure this was an unpopular opinion, but I liked it. Uh, but I do understand the problems, too many characters, the forced ending, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 6.5 out of 10. Um, I'll explain later, says, uh, base under siege, yawn fest with achingly predictable twist and preachy pontonification to boot. Uh, Craig Mateo, don't think I have the e, uh, the energy anymore to be critical of how poor I found that episode. Gave it a three. Uh, beer is the answer. Yes, it is. <laughs> said, uh, enjoyable. <laughs> Time didn't drag. Elements of classic who seeped through, including the green message at the end. Uh, so many people up in arms about it, but seemingly love Peter Capaldi's anti-war monologue in the Zygon doubleheader. Mm. Hashtag fickle. Oh. Steady. Steady, right. The Hooniversity started off well, descending into a mess. The dregs weren't threatening as everyone they killed was off screen, and then the bodies mysteriously vanished. Uh, yes uh, only good things was Ryan 6 out of 10 Oliver Brooks good concept awfully executed uh, Callum it didn't, ma- it didn't catch my attention I kept drifting off I thought the monsters looked cool 2 out of 10 Two. Rick Moran from the Dwask uh, felt to me like a good old fashioned run around with a bit of base under siege a 5 not too bad uh, our writer Jordan Shortman not as great as Spyfall but a fun run around nonetheless uh, who else have we got on here? Um, there's so many. We're going to take forever to go through these. Um, uh, Ashley, I liked it. Found the ending a bit preachy, but forgivable in the current age. Um, uh, Marco Bricks UK, I enjoyed it, but like a lot of modern who, it can be hard to follow because it's written too complicated. Um, Nathan, I felt like the new series version of Paradise Towers. Silas was the best side character of the story. 8.5. Uh, Rotide, in polite words, underwhelming, a four out of ten. Uh, Brighter Moon, Neil, enjoyable episode. It felt very much like a tenant era. Lots of running around and looming threat. 
Uh, eight green haircuts out of ten. Uh, here else, Daniel Fox. It seems I haven't taken a step backwards. Sorry, it seems they that we've taken a step backwards to series eleven. The monsters look cool, but was the only good thing in the episode for me. A two out of ten. Whoa, getting low. Yeah, Roxanne. Uh, uh, I liked it. Uh, I guess I'm in the minority. Uh, I like the lower paced episodes on Cool Planets. Uh, uh, who else have we got? Uh, Sarah, the running Hoovian, as always, I really struggled with this one. I found my mind wandering and I don't usually get distracted when watching Dr. Who. She gave it a four. Uh, Dan Peters, lastly, gave it a four out of 10 as well. And then over on Facebook, I can't read them all out. There's so many, but thank you so much. Um, but just quickly, Daniel Hickey, Lawrence Baxter, Chloe Anderson, Harry Walker, Joseph Howarth, Charlie Turner, Luke East, Dave Mackin, Zach Jenkin, and Jeff Waddle. Uh, you all had some really good stuff there. Roughly fives and sixes uh, with the odd uh, seven thrown in there as well. So very middle of the road over on Facebook. So mixed, isn't it? I mean, it is, you know, it's interesting, I think, when we get an episode like this. A lot of people really liked it. A lot of people really didn't. Yes. Mm. Really divided, this one. Very much, yeah. Uh, Next week for episode four, what have we got? So yeah, uh, I keep saying this wrong. Nic- Nicola, Nicola, yeah, Nicola, Nicola Tesla. How do you say his name? Nicola Tesla. Tesla. <laughs> Night of Terror. I'm just going to call it Night of Terror. <laughs> Night of Terror next week. So yeah, that um, you know the little tiny little trailer we got for it looks quite promising. So yeah, it's a historical, I guess. It's got some historical elements. So mm. yeah, hopefully it's good. Hopefully, mate. Mm. Yeah. Right it on. looks different anyway. It looks like a totally different to this yeah. week's, which yeah, is good. I was going to say, yeah, it does look like a change of, of direction, which is good. Mm. Right oh, I think we'll wrap there, dude, for 251. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to episode 251. It was great to announce the series or the collection season 14 Mm. Blu-ray box set. Uh, I was wondering which one was coming up next after the McCoy one. So uh, it's all good to have that pre-ordered and in the bag, which is great. Thank you so much to all of your reviews and thoughts on uh, this week's review episode, Orphan 55. It's great to talk through that with you bud and try and get some of our our thoughts out there i think overall it's just kind of for us it's a bit sort of middle of the roadish. it's not terrible it's not amazing it's kind of a little bit kind of yeah muddled in there i suppose muddled yeah yes but anyways thank you so much for all your thoughts and stuff it was great to uh to read through all those and we do read through every single one of them just at, for popular times and when episodes are live on TV, it's just, we can't read them all out with beer all day. Uh, but thank you so much nonetheless. Next week, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Get that watched on Sunday or just after because we'll be asking for your thoughts on that. In the meantime, head over to our website, Big Blue Box Podcast at Codic UK. You can listen to all of our episodes on there. Plus, you can check out all of the cool articles that I write as put together. Loads of big finish reviews and general editorials. It's all good stuff over there. And there's also links on the website to go off to the various podcast networks. And uh, we're on the socials as well, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Give us a like and a follow over there as we chat plenty of Doctor Who every week. And if you've got a minute, regardless of what podcast app you listen to us on, if you could spare a minute for a review or a rating, that would be amazing because that really helps us helps us out a lot. And thank you so much for all the amazing reviews you lot have left so far 
Really much appreciated. Remember to check out my co-host channel, The Geek's Handbag, over on YouTube. Our resident YouTube superstar, Mr. Adam, over on The Geek's (laughs) Handbag. Uh, Just do a search for that. You'll find him there. Loads of really cool, really cool videos over there. And Adam is also on all the socials under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. So just do a search of him as well. Give him a like and a follow. And let's chat with all the other cool people that we chat to around uh, Doctor Who each week. It's all good stuff. Uh, Until next week for episode 252. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... (gasps) (laughs) Eh...